Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it. Wherever you are, shalom and welcome to Malka Fleischer. Malka. Hello, Ishai. It's been so long. It, yes, yes. Well, you missed a few weeks, so it's great to have you back on the show. And Boker Tov from Yehuda. Yes. Uh, which is a beautiful day, Malka. Malka, I had a very special day yesterday. I had a very special day that I want to share it with everybody out there. Uh, it was it was, it was was special on two major things that happened, and then a little third, which I'm going right. to add into it. First thing is, is that I actually went to an outdoor wedding. Wow. And this outdoor wedding was of a buddy. That doesn't happen so much at, you know, at, uh, at the, 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 the beautiful age of 44. Uh, you don't always have a good buddy that's getting right. married. So it was really, really fun to have a good buddy getting married yesterday. And the, the wedding was a mix of religious right. and secular, Haredi and like regular Israel, ultra-Orthodox and regular Israel, Ashkenazi, Sephardi, and Yemenite. Wow. Okay. You got all the good stuff. All the good stuff was there, and it was overlooking Yerushalayim, and, and it had religious music, it had some secular music, and, and the crowd was jumping, the, the couple was gorgeous, and there was just such a great atmosphere there. It was wow. also, it was also uh, the, the guy who was getting married, my friend Yehuda, Yehuda Sharabani, Right? Such a good name. Such a great name. And he's he's actually a political activist for the Likud and also works for Im Tier Tzu. Nice. So it was like also like a right-wing wedding. Fun. And that was even mentioned by, by the rabbi. There was a great <laughs> rabbi. The rabbi himself was an ultra-Orthodox rabbi, Haredi rabbi, but was also a, a like, he, he was like a, a, a scion, like a, what do you call it? Like from, gen- ancest- not ancestor, the other way when you're a- descendant. A descendant, thank you, uh, of of, uh, of Rabbi Zonenfeld, who was the chief rabbi of Jerusalem. So he was, you know, a real hardcore rabbi. But was also a comedian, <laughs> and it was it was a nice just, guy, nice guy, super fun rabbi. No, but a comedian. Like, oh, like with jokes with 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 really. He was funny like his jokes. own badchan. He was he was funny, and he everything he did was by heart. By the way, and and he's wow. one of these people whose speech was rapid fire, just like brrr, just like whatever he thought like came right. At but the it words. was good. It worked. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was overlooking the old city, and it was also there was a a weird heat wave. That was just last right, night. Right, so it was like so warm and beautiful and wonderful outside. Ah, it was magical. Okay. And, wow, so, f- so you got to like, th- basically this is your first like event of like people um, in a long time. Well, you, while, were, yeah. you were at one wedding yeah. during Corona where, the, where they were allowed to have like 50 guests, something right. like that. So this was... This and this was... Wh- how many guests were they allowed at this wedding? It, w- it was still limited. It was still, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe I don't know, 200, but it was... <laughs> at a Jewish wedding, that's like... Right, but I don't know. Maybe not I'm everybody. Maybe it was 150. No, yeah. It wasn't a huge wedding for sure, but it was a green passport wedding. You had to show your green passport. Now, here's part... Which that, means that you've been vaccinated with two... Or... Coronavirus vaccines, or you've recovered from coronavirus. Right, or you recovered. Now... Now here's the, the the I was said that I have two and a half things to say. The half thing is, yeah. I posted a picture of the of the wedding yesterday, and I wrote it was a green passport wedding. Now the reason where did you this, post it to Facebook, Facebook to Twitter? Yeah, and I knew that if I didn't post that it was a green passport wedding, yeah, everybody would be like, "Where's the face masks, man?" Because uh, people weren't really wearing masks. They were not, and it was outdoors, and it was green passports. Everybody was vaccinated or 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 getting right. better. So so this was this only I only found this out this morning when as we're recording. I yeah. looked at my Facebook page and I see tons of super angry comments, and they're like, "Yishai, I've been following you for years. I can't believe you're supporting medical apartheid and medical segregation." And uh, all that people are upset at the green passport, right? That that I would that Yishai Fleischer would promote a green passport, which means like that, like you know, people 
that there should be a distinction between uh, the, the rights of people who have the vaccine and the rights of people who don't have the vaccine. Right. Now, I didn't. Now, now the, to be fair, I did not promote the green passport. I said I was at a green passport wedding yesterday, and that's why I was outside of no masks. So don't give me a hard time about that. Right. But this was the choice of the Khatan Vakala. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't right. Put- you weren't there to support government <laughs> policy. You right. were there to support a a bride and groom. Right. And right. I mean, was it fun that it was that it was like a green passport thing? Was it well, fun? Was it fun that there were loosened restrictions is what you really yeah, mean? That's right. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. Yeah. OK, but I wasn't. But like but like the thing is about this world, and this is in parentheses because I'm, I'm in a really good mood. So in parentheses, I just want to say, yo, everybody chill out. Like, I get it, but you can't win with anybody anymore. In fact, I've, pu- I've publicly come out against the green passport policy. Um, on Twitter, I wrote something about how I didn't think that Israel should be making distinctions in the rights of people, basically, uh, based on their private medical decisions. But nonetheless, if you have a green passport, see, that's how it works. If you have a green passport, which really means if you have done your civic duty of getting the, the vaccines and they give you perks for that. So you're, you're taking advantage of it. Right. But, but I'm not even talking about that because I'm not talking about either green passport good or green passport right. bad. I'm talking about... My Facebook feed, right, a full of angry people. I mean, people. Isha, I read this article this morning. There, I, I, there's like, you, I thought that now that the vaccine thing is kind of like has swept over Israel, and like a large percentage of uh, Israeli adults who are um, not authorized, what does it mean? Uh, like the, who who are eligible to get the vaccine have already done so, and people who aren't aren't, and 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 that the country's kind of opening up anyway. I thought that things are kind of like calming down a little bit. But it turns out that it is not calming down. Basically, it turns out, at least in the news, that like there is a wave of angry anti-coronavirus vaccine movement that's happening. I have found out that my... Still, and I can't understand that. My anti-vaxxer friends, which are good and smart people, they don't like the word anti-vaxxer. So I have come up with a new term for them. Yeah. I call them post-vaxxers, okay? <laughs> but I'm post-vax. I got the vaccine. No, I'm post- post-vax. Anyway, I really, I don't want to get into this. I don't want to get Wait, into this. Wait, but I just want to say there's a piece of news. There's a very uh, famous, uh, basically the top, who's considered the top ultra-Orthodox rabbi. His name is Rabbi Gershon Edelstein. He's 97 years old. So there's a news story that last night some like anti-vaxxer, he's been very pro- pro-vaccine and he's encouraged. He's basically the reason that the Haredi community um, has gone out to get vaccinated. And he's mm-hmm. one of the major reasons, anyway, that the Orthodox, the ultra-Orthodox community went, went out to get vaccinated because he was like, go get vaccinated. So they're like, okay. So some person in his 20s came to his house and tried to, like, attack him yesterday. Nice. For his vaccine thing. And his family, uh, Rabbi Edelstein's family, basically, like, fought off this guy. Oh and eventually God. they had to call police. Crazy. And it turns out, I read also in the news that there are like a lot of top physicians and these like people who are encouraging people to uh, to go get vaccinated are getting like death threats and being called Nazis, being called Dr. Mangala and all this stuff. God right. forbid. Like, you know, I would believe anything at this point. You know what I'm saying? If this is like a, you know, campaign to like get back at the anti-vax, I I have no idea. Do you know what I'm saying? But like assuming that news is news and that these stories aren't completely fabricated like what the heck people like what's going on i I don't understand you know 
I, in I understand they, in their mind, they're fighting for freedom and liberty and against tyranny and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I, 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 I want, I want to get past this, Monica. I, I want to get past this. I want to get past the issue of, um, of the of of Corona, and the vaccinations. I just want to say to everybody, just chill out. Just chill out a little bit. Like, don't yell at you know Yishai Fleischer for for like for like saying I went to a green wedding. That's what. P.S. Almost three quarters of the country is already this country has been vaccinated, so it's like it's in it's part of the norm. Like just relax. That's what and that's what this Khatan and Kala want. It's okay, but like you're not into it. You think it's not good, but right. Like, I just wanted to say that I have some very lovely family members who decided that they are getting married. One of my relatives decided that they're getting married with no children. They want a wedding where there's no children, and this caused an uproar in the family because there are children in the family right and it, it like hurt some feelings there was some issues but this couple decided they don't want children at their wedding okay that is not a that is very atypical of a jewish wedding but fine all right so so uh people ab- ab- abided by that wish begrudgingly very begrudgingly in some cases but people abided by that wish no children at the wedding but you don't see like a major, you know, this is like a thing that happens. You look around on the internet. There is such a thing as having having a, a wedding with no children. Or you have a destination wedding. I'm going to the Bahamas. So you have to have money to go to a wedding like that, right? Or it take time out of your schedule to go to a wedding like that. But no, the couple decides they want to have a wedding that's out at the Bahamas, that's out in uh, Ukraine. I don't know, wherever it is that they want to get married. And, and is that fair because because they're not paying for everybody's ticket? No, that's not fair. Here, this couple wanted to take advantage of the fact that they could have loosened restrictions at their wedding by co- by asking to have a green passport wedding, which incidentally is just about, hey, please don't infect each other at our wedding, right? And 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 like to, to think that you would get like personally attacked on your social media platforms for being some kind of like co-conspirator in a horrible uh you know people oppressing policy is just ridiculous i mean i guess i could understand them kind of you know somewhere you know but i just well I just, it's, it's become such an emotional issue that's what it is what it is it's it's they're pinning us against one another in every issue the trump thing the election thing now the covid thing it's like Society is being like put in such such pinned against one another, and people are are being actually willful willful. They're being willful co conspirators into this anger uh, um, modus, right? That that we see all around us. This this like rage. They call it rage porn. You know what I mean? It's like it's like it's like it's like it's like you have a mitzvah to be enraged instead of what you have a mitzvah is to be like Aharon. Which is Ohev Shalom, Rodev Shalom, speaking. I guess these people, you know, there are people who feel like this is a life and death issue. I get it. Like to not get vaccinated, right? They like think that getting vaccinated is like killing people. It's a conspiracy against everyone. That no one's going to have children anymore, and it's going to kill people, and we're all being controlled, right? So they they bought into that narrative, which is like uh, there's uh, there's so much of that, by the way. And I find being in the middle to both be so much better and so much worse, right? It's like, I don't, I, I can understand that a person wouldn't want to get the vaccine. And I'm, I accept those people. And I can understand that a person would want to get the vaccine. I got it. I accept those people. But like, I find that with time, it's like less and less people who are in the middle, which is, I don't know. It's like they're, you either think that people who got vaccinated are idiots 
who just like gave over their lives to Bill Gates or you think that people who don't get vaccinated are idiots who are like out there to be like human ticking time bombs to like bioterrorize everyone around them. Right. And uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. I'm, I'm hoping that this like this ethos goes away. But you also see that that Isha, like you're saying, it's it's so much more now and uh, like a blood sport culture, right? <laughs> a blood sport culture. I like that, Malka. Where people like where it's like you're always versus someone. It's so funny, right? Because like in the left, for example, like the idea of being tolerant and accepting was like was kind of like a left wing idea, right? It like and they and for a few minutes it was good, right? For a few minutes it was like that really helped society. But now it's like this whole tolerance thing has actually become like cult like ideology mandates and there's no tolerance. Nobody has it. The right wing doesn't have it. The left wing doesn't have it. And it's just a lot of like hating each other. Everyone is talking. I'm like, I'm so disgusted how much people are talking about like what's going on in the British royal family right now. And if there was racism or not racism. Okay. It's like. These Every guys. family has a story, you know what I'm saying? And it's <laughs> like and that and that people are like legitimately talking about this and it's yet again polarizing like are you going to be polarized by what's going on in this family? Like I can't believe it. Like why are people taking the bait on this all the time? I just got to say this this story about about the British royal family, it's the most self-involved story I've ever heard in my life. Like these these millionaires and billionaires are all complaining about, about about who said what and who hurt their feelings and who has like outdated beliefs. It's like it's like do me a favor, you guys do not matter to anybody and and, do and people are like talking about this oh, yeah. i went to twitter and i made like well, a tweet oprah, that was oprah, like oprah. stop talking about this right oprah was talking about it in any case wait can i just tell you something i i i, I refuse to go down this path right now i just i just i just with respect the, the thing that's bothering me i i was just in such a good mood yeah and there was this amazing saxophone player right and if people want to see pictures and videos from the wedding you can go to Ishai's twitter and that's right. facebook that's right and it was this amazing saxophone player and he was playing hallelujah like, oh, Ishai, yeah. you're a good da, da, da. fake saxophone yeah, yeah, player that's right and then and then and then they switched that that hallelujah t- uh, words to uh, a song that that right. is associated with uh, the bride right which come come bride, come bride the, come, right. come. oh man it was and it was the old city walls and it was such a mix yeah. of people how many minutes did you cry I, I cried I really let out <laughs> I really I really I really felt that and that that oh, horn so was nice. blaring my friend was getting married it was just it's just beautiful, 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 night. beautiful. It's a night like made for for right, these two people, right? And then and then I put and, their on, guests. and I like put this on Facebook, being like, "Here's the light of Israel," right? And everybody here's came down sweet. on me. Sweet, yeah. Right. Here's something beautiful, and people couldn't be like Mazel Tov. They were a little bit, but it, but like like let it go, friends. Let it go for a second. Like let's see past this very very. You it's know, like people don't want the regular life. I anymore. never forget. I never they're, forget. They're too like caught up with like the adrenaline rush of rage. Yeah, of rage. That's right. I remember one time I, I spoke to Arya King, who's today the deputy, uh, one of one of the deputy mayors of Jerusalem. And you had d- another deputy mayor of Jerusalem on your show. No, not had on today's show. On today's show, right? Today's well, I'm show. saying you already did the live stream. That's right. For people who want to see on uh, on social media, and it's it's right here for you. That's today. right. We're, we're going to be speaking right after this segment. We're going to be speaking with Flour Hassan, who is an amazing. Uh, 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 
deputy mayor of Jerusalem and also the founder of a UAE Israel conglomerate, like a get together so organization. Cool. And she's awesome. And she's on the show uh, this week and just a lot of a lot of good energy from her. She's the head of like tourism for Jerusalem. And right. She is. She's one to watch. She's one to watch. And, and she's you're going to hear from she's her. She's an amazing person. You know, and, and so um, and so I, I remember that I spoke once to Arya King and, and I said to him, uh, you know, Arya, what's happening right here on the street or something? This is some issue in Jerusalem. And he said to me, I don't deal with what's happening today. I don't think about what people are thinking today. I think about what people are going to be thinking in 20 years. Nice. And and that's exactly my point. Like everybody's so locked into the now. Like snap out of it a little bit. Go go into the see the big picture, see where it's all going, come back to the big picture. And that's what the feeling I had at the wedding and I was amazed that it was smallified. Any case, that yeah. was that was Well, the, I'm sure that there were plenty of people who also said Mazel Tov. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? And and even then I'm 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 just not going to let everybody like bring me down. It right. was it was just too good and too high. Right. For 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 the smallness, like you know what I mean. May, right. may the wedding be something that that helps you come out of right. of smallness. Now the um, it's still the the, the it's still ringing in my ears that the, the beautiful sounds of that wedding. That's so nice. Mazato to to that about, and then uh, and then and then subsequently, I went to my mother's house, rested for an hour, and took Elazar, our son, our oldest son, uh, and my mom, God bless her soul, and I we went to. The heart of Samaria last night got there at 10.30 p.m. to join in a, an, uh, an IDF allowance and opening of the tombs of Kalev ben Yifune, Caleb, the son of Jefune. <laughs> okay? Joshua. You know Joshua? Like, like... Fit the Battle of Jericho. Yeah, yeah. Jericho, Jericho, right? Uh, the Joshua. The Joshua. Joshua, son of Nun, if you're not sure. Okay. The, the guy from the book of Joshua. Yeah, book of Joshua? That guy. That's the guy. And 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 his father Nun also is buried in this town. I heard they closed off Nun. Yeah, Nun. Elzar told me that the Nun was Nun was not accessible yesterday. That's too bad. Yeah, it was it was too bad. Uh but but those two places and I took my mom for the first time in her life wow, to, to, wow, to, uh, wow. to these tombs. And you know, people that have listened for a long time to my show know that Kalev Ben Yifune is like a personal like icon and hero for me, et cetera, et cetera. And it was just uh, it was again Wow. You know what I mean? You went and, from high to high. You know, and there was tons and tons of Hasidim. Tons right. of like uh, they were they outnumbered the the uh, one of the greatest groups of Jews in the land of Israel, which is the Hilltop Youth. Okay, <laughs> the best. Is that who was there basically? So Hilltop Youth were there. Yeah, you know, with their with their big scraggly side locks, and they always have curly hair every time. Good looking guys. Is that weird? And then and then there was and then but no but the majority yesterday way over like 60-70% was ultra orthodox folks right like Vishnitzers we had to talk exactly me and the Vishnitzers we were exactly online with one another okay. <laughs> They're like, you know, Vizhnitz? I'm like, yeah, oh, no, they Vizhnitz. were talking. You guys were talking Hasidiyot. What happened was, is that they saw my camera, my phone camera, and a lot of Hasidim asked me to take a picture for them and email it to their like <laughs> email. They're like, I'm like, I'm like, what's your email? They're like, W E I S 1697C at gmail.com. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was, and they didn't know, none one of them had a, one of them had a, cruddy old camera yes yeah, none like. of them had a good phone camera or like a whatsapp account you know what Yishai? wow i've just come up with a great idea yeah next year you go yeah and you charge you well you i don't know if it's you yeah. but somebody goes and charges like three shekels yeah for a picture to take a cell phone picture that they e email to your mom that's actually cool i like that idea you like that idea yeah, i like that all idea i'll set it up yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a, a really good idea Anyway, so we got there and it was just, we went into this Arab town. Now, happened to be, it's an Arab town that gets like closed down, shut down for the night. 
uh, from 10.30 to 2 o'clock in the morning. Little gift that they left for us was that right next to the tomb of Joshua, there was five or six Hamas flags with uh, the state of Israel, uh, a map of the state of Israel, two guns, and 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 like grenades. the classic, the classic Hamas symbol. Classic Hamas. That's right. I was like, come on, and and you right know what? Right there, eh? Again? Right there in Samaria. Right Bedan. there. Right there by our guy Joshua, who never would have allowed such a thing no, to exist no, in our no. land. No, Joshua made his lieutenants step on the necks of thirty-one kings in the land of Israel, and then executed them uh, to say, "This is how we're going to to take out the people who stand against us." And uh, that's. I'm sorry. That was. That's uh, a. Now his grave is like embarrassed. <laughs> with all these Hamas flags, right? So where, but the army was there. So how did that? How did that work out? The army was was cool, but they were making sure more that the Jews don't get hurt and that the Jews no, don't but, hurt. No, but how property. is it that there's Hamas flags? Well, a with young, the IDF so, standing so, right there. So our beloved son Elazar was having a great time, and it was very interesting. But a young man started climbing up the pole to tear down the Hamas flag of the many flags, but one of them was in the middle of the square and the army bade him to come down and wouldn't let him take down the flag. Hmm, and this was, this is, I don't know about that. And so, so Elazar again, see, you see, I had another half here. You see right. a, li- a little There's like, a little and the fifth, you know what I mean? Ointment. Yeah. A little bit because, because, uh, because, uh, you know, he asked me, he's like, well, I don't understand. He's like, I don't understand why, why our tomb is in our, our holy tomb is in the middle of this Arab village? Why we're afraid to come in here regularly? Why is it spray painted and has all kinds of graffiti in it? Why are there Hamas signs and the army won't let us take it down? Like he was, he was genuinely perplexed by well, the Well, it is perplexity. genuinely, it is genuinely perplexing. I would say perplexitous. It's perplexitous. Okay, okay. Anyway, <laughs> so so that was that was my day yesterday, Mark. I'm very happy to have you back on yes. the show. Uh, God bless you. Thank you. God um, bless you. Um, it's really it's really fun. We have a great show. Uh, as I said, uh, Flor Hassan, uh, Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem, is next. She's actually a uh, descendant of um, of a successful political family from Gibraltar, okay? And so there's there's uh, a Gibraltar thing happening on the show, so that's really fun, you know? And, and you could also uh, feel safe because that's like the Prudential Rock. That's like the uh, oh, yeah. your finances are safe. And, <laughs> and after that, Rav Mike Foyer, we're going to rock it with Rav Mike Foyer, to talk about this, these, the double port, Torah portion of uh, Vayikal Pekudei. And we're going to talk about uh, everything from the Sabbath to, to God filling the sanctuary with his presence, with his, with his cloud of glory. And so that's in the end of the book of, uh, of, of Exodus. We'll do Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazak. And Malka, the show uh, happens with the help of a lot of people. There's that's a lot right. of teamwork. The first, my best teamwork me- member is you, Malka. Aww. Thanks for being on the team. You really, yes. you, 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 thanks you, for letting me be on the team. Thank you. God bless you. And I just want to say that we also have folks that get the show out to other people, which is my man, Moshe Herman, who does a great job. Uh, my sister, Tabitha. She's not my actual sister, but she's my sister from another, another mister. mister. That's right. Uh, Tabitha, Ben Bresky, rocking the audio uh, jamming, right? He, <laughs> may, he makes it, uh, he's Sir Mix a lot. He does a great job. Uh, Yocheved uh, gets it out to the world on social media, helps out with that. And my man Lou, who is uh, Lou. Uh, our guest producer on the live stream, <laughs> so so we have we have uh, we have a lot of good folks that make things happen. So thank you very much. We also have a lot of folks that help support the show. The number one supporter of the show is you, the 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 listener and the friend wherever you are. So I really want to urge you to go to yishaifleischer.com, uh, hit the donate button page, uh, the support Yishai and Malka and and our and our good work uh, of I hope our good work. Uh, including many other projects, but including this show as well. 
your support makes all the difference in the world. It really, you know, it, whatever you give from 18 to 1800, okay? <laughs> whatever you give from chai to Don't limit chai. Chai. Yeah, no, exactly. Why, why limit it to, to, <laughs> to keep, keep going? No, it but really, we do this all for you. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. That's right. And it keeps the show uh, widely dispersed and, and free, and it's fun. I also want to thank our sponsors. Uh, JewishPress.com does a great job of getting our show out and also getting out a great email every day. You love day. their email. Love their email, and it's called the Jewish Express. Uh, so that's something definitely to to check out. Um, uh, they, they do a great job of putting out uh, uh, Jewish and Israeli news. Our good our good friends and really uh, uh, people that I work with and for the Hebron Fund. Uh, that's the Jewish community of Hebron. That's the mama, mamas and the papas. Now I myself give my miser money, some of my some of my tithe, if you yeah. will. To the folks that I saw last night, the Minhelet Kever Yosef, the people who, who help take care of the tombs of, of the tomb of Joseph and the tombs, all the tombs in, the, in Samaria, including Kalev Ben Yifunin, Yeshua Ben The reason I give that money is because I'm not there. Right. I'm not there, so therefore I want to support with their right. work. But, 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 but for other people, I think that, sure, the tomb of Joseph is super important. And also the tombs of the forefathers and mothers. Right. We keep it beautiful. We keep it safe. We keep it open. We keep it. We keep it. We keep it open for you. That is the root. If we don't have that, we're in such a serious trouble. That's right. That it's indescribable. So that's HebronFund.org, and then uh, a, a, a person who supports our show and supports our Shabbat and Shabbat is in this Torah portion is Prohibition Pickle. Yes, yum okay? yum yum. And I just got some great salami from Prohibition Pickle. Also ate it with the kids. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Prohibition Pickle has a great, got a great store now here in Gush Etzion. Yes. Uh, Naftali and the, Bennett the sweetest recently pe- visited. Oh, yeah. well, I'm sure he enjoyed it. And they're like the sweetest people in the entire That's right. planet. Chaim, the 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 uh, guru, chef, rock star, uh, makes makes amazing. He calls it Ashkenazi, but but you know what I mean. It's it's Ashkenazi in the land of Israel. It's yeah. it's uh, it's brought home. I, we bought this jar of like roasted garlic in oil. Sometimes I eat it as a snack. Don't get close to me. <laughs> but it's so yummy. It is really good. And, and and my way of getting close to you is by eating some of that stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, if you you can cancel yeah. each other out. We can cancel each other because it's cancel, but the good kind of cancel good culture. Good cancel culture. <laughs> good cancel culture, okay? That's funny. Yeah, good cancel culture, okay? You know, let's cancel yeah, the cancel. Yeah, you eat garlic, I eat garlic, and then it's going to be okay. I'm cool with Mr. Potato Head and, and Mrs. Potato yeah, Head. Yeah, what? You What's going to happen to Mrs. Potato Head now? You know what I mean? Exactly. You're like widowing her. Yeah. Yeah, well, y- you know, some of the parts that they have, you know, it could pop off. So that's the, what society's oh, doing today. Gosh. But what I say, what I say. I, I literally thought about Mr. Potato Head in the car as I was driving. I was like, yeah. Mr. Potato Head. You know what? Suddenly, I suddenly I see Mr. Potato Head in a top hat. Mrs. Potato Head dressed beautifully walking down the aisle. Bowie getting married. Potato Head. Heads. Okay. Potato Head. <laughs> to to Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. Uh, God bless them. Um, I'm sorry if that was intolerant. Sheesh. Um, I also want to thank the good folks at Aleph Mail. Okay? Yes. They bring out the best in organic, non-toxic ma- Judean masculinity. <laughs> okay. Non-toxic uh, uh, Judean organic masculinity. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Again, for Mr. Potato Head, he doesn't have hair, uh, right, famously. He, right. Uh, so he, but he does it. have a mustache and you can't use it can, on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. yeah. Got a, he's got a tube. You can, you can stick a tube on there. But uh, uh, the point is, is that- pay. You're right. But-, but, but but Aleph Mail will will get you will get you. I just yes right now my hair is long so I used a little Aleph Mail yesterday. I smelled yeah. like a cedar tree baby. Okay, I, yeah. I was yeah. And you look nice. That's right and shiny. Um, like I had my soul glow, and that's AlephMail.com and coupon code Yishai10. Bang, ten percent off. You're gonna rock your beard 
Uh, and but if you don't have a beard, which is cool, because I'm not. Uh, you mean a person without a beard? I am tolerant of of people of various of non beardedness, and so there you got to go check out our good friends at uh, Jerusalem Salves. Jerusalem oh, for Salves. Your skin. I thought you that's were right. going to talk about Silk Salon for the non bearded community. Uh, you know what? That's that's Silk Salon and Gushetzion. I don't tell Leah. I hope she doesn't hear. But I signed us up for manicures before Pesach. You mean women manicures? Why would it be a manicure? Oh my gosh, this whole time. I can't believe you would this get a manicure. This whole time I've been buying into the patriarchy. Anyway, oh. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to get a person a cure. Yeah. But here's what I'm saying for people listening out there. This is this is serious actually. I know that there are a lot of people out there who want to do something nice for somebody out there in Israel before the holiday. Um, it's a great gift. If you want to contact me, you can you can contact me through Ishai's email. Um, if you want to get a like a gift certificate out to somebody or I want to even throw this out because it, it popped into my head if you want to you know there's a sizable community out here of people who were hit very hard by the coronavirus mm. financially if there's any of you who want to like I know it sounds kind of unnecessary but if there's any of you who want to like donate a uh, like a beauty treatment before the holiday um to a woman who maybe lost her job or whose husband lost her job or single mothers out here who had a hard time during the, the coronavirus period um you can also be in touch with us out there uh out at Isha's uh email address and it's like 125 shekels something like that for yeah. a, like a really nice manicure right or hit the donate page and, and just uh, write it and in. i will be happy to facilitate getting out some of those uh gift packages to to people who need them beautiful malka really really nice really really nice uh lastly uh t-e-k-h-e-l-e-t T -E -K -H -E -L -E -T, that's the true blue juice string and you know what it's not the company it's the mitzvah you know and you have the opportunity yes to we be got a ishai pesach is coming we got to send them pronto we got to send them some kind of a message yeah that we need some new seat seat for our for our boys for up in the, here, the three boys, yeah, that's the right. three men of my family, that's right. And and I didn't mention the website of um, of uh, Sal's of Jerusalem, right? That's Sal's of Jerusalem .com. Again, coupon code Yishai and bang, you get ten percent off. Okay, uh, and also our good friends at Blessed by Israel. If if you want to be blessed by Israel, you could buy Israeli products and have them in your life. Blessed by Israel, B U Y. Blessed, blessed, or blessed, whatever by Israel. And coupon code Disha will get you twelve percent off. So good, and get some some Israeli olive oil. You know that's if you don't have a salve. I haven't checked their their page recently. I wonder if they have anything for Pesach. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they have some good stuff. They definitely have jewelry and pottery and and great stuff to to make your holiday better. That's right, and and uh, this is a not usual uh, uh, um, uh, advertiser with with my show, but I want to mention a sponsor of my show. But I do want to mention Jaybrick. Uh, oh, right now, they've got some, got some Afi Komen gifts. They got some great, J-Brick makes Jewish Lego sets, Jewish so themed cute. Lego sets, and they have some great Pesach stuff now. I get their email and it's so cute. Yeah, what do they have? Uh, they do have, you remember one? They have a Pesach Seder plate. Uh, Seder plate. They have Pesach Seder plate. They have, they have all kinds of stuff. They have uh, people sitting on a bima, really, really, uh, like, a, like a Torah reading from a bima, really neat stuff, uh, and, and I, I think you're going to really appreciate it. So that was, those are some of our sponsors and there's more. Uh, and the greatest sponsor of them all, of them all, of them all, is God Almighty. So if you want to uh, be a patron of our sponsor, then learn his Torah, say his prayers. Give tzedakah. Yeah, yeah, yeah praise his name and uh, give tzedakah and be, you know, be good and righteous and, and, and judge kindly. Uh, and then you'll be walking in his, in his foot, foot, 
steps is anthropomorphic. He gives you endless coupon codes. That's right, anthropomorphically, anthro, anthropomorphically speaking. Yes. Um, and um, and I also want to talk about uh, just uh, two more little sponsors, which is the Land of Israel Network, thelandofisrael.com, which hosts our show and many other great shows here. And speaking of the Land of Israel Network, the Land of Israel. Okay. Itself. That's right. Which, and which, here we are. That's right. Uh, I remember that we, you and I are big fans of a book called uh, Ema Banim Smecha. Yes. There's a few different versions of it, uh, which you should definitely get, Ema Banim Smecha. One of the things that he says is that, uh, is that the rabbi was running from the Nazis, and he says that he lost his tefillin, and then somebody gave him one pair of tefillin, somebody gave him another pair of tefillin, and somebody gave him a sidur, and somebody gave him a talit, and finally had a whole set. He said, but I didn't have the bag to hold it together. He says, that's Eretz Yisrael. Mm. It holds all of our different things, all of our different things. It puts, it brings it together I- into one thing. And, and that's, that's the great gift of our time to be able to be part of it. Uh, next week, I hope, no promises to talk about Israeli real estate being sold Ooh, right now. To, that's uh, going to be a good one. I wouldn't miss that one. Yeah, that's right. Israeli real estate being sold, especially to, uh, to folks around the world who are interested in purchasing, who have woken up yes. to the reality they of this woke. time. They are woke. They are woke for real. That's right. Woke, that's right. That's Jewish woke. Jewish woke, woke up. I like that. That's Chazak. I like that. Let's, can, we can get that on a t-shirt We came up for with two you. things. We came up with cancel, 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 right? Cancel. Oh, we can, yeah. Two cancel, two negatives make a positive. Cancel, cancel culture. Cancel, cancel culture, which we, which we let you free, which we free you up, okay? Don't cancel me on Facebook either. Just join and be part of it. And Jewish cancel culture where both of you... Eat garlic. That's right. That's right. We cancel so cancel each other smell. out. The bad stuff. That's right. That's how we do it on Shabbos. God bless you, <laughs> folks. Uh, Maka Fleischer. Any any specific thing you want to add uh, from the news? Any specific? What uh, now? Way you here at the end? Just is there is there a tad of something that's uh, that's that's important to you in the in the show today? Well, you did you did you were interested in a, a little story about uh, a brand new like two thousand five hundred megawatt electricity wire that's going to be running between Israel. What, uh, 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 what's it called? A memorandum of understanding was signed yesterday where uh, Crete, Greece, and Israel... And Cyprus. I think Cyprus is in it. I think Cyprus is in it, yeah. Okay, let me see. Yeah, so, Cyprus, yeah. you're right. Yeah, that's, you're the, right. that's the kind of Greek triangle. It's, sorry, you're right. Israel, Cyprus, and Crete. Israel, Cyprus, and Crete. But Crete is part of the, of the European... It's like Greek Crete. Yeah. Greek Crete signed a... Say that a lot of times. Greek, 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 Um, Signed a memorandum of understanding that it's going to lay down the longest ever undersea power cable linking all the electricity grids. It's going to be 745 miles long. And there was a video conference and they all signed it. And basically it's going to provide Israel with emergency power in case Israel needs emergency power. But also it turns out that um, I think it is, yeah, Cyprus, which is the only country that's considered, that is an EU member state that is not connected uh, to like another country's power thing, power source grid. thing, power grid. Yeah. So that's a big mazel tov for Cyprus. Yeah. They can finally get connected. You know what? It's so funny, but- Oh, like- speaking of Cyprus, Ishai, yes. you sent me this week- such a link. <laughs> what was it to Carnival? I think I can't remember the name no, of no, it. No, 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 no. Which not one carnival, was it? Not Carnival. Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean. Royal Caribbean is going to be running now cruises 
from Haifa all up in this area, all because we're on a nice, beautiful waterway, the Mediterranean Sea. And they're going to be like running cruises now to Greece, to Cyprus, to Crete, to, and to more places. Oh, I'm excited. Listen, listen I really right. hope we have an opportunity to that's one day right. go on one of these cruises. I got to start. I got to open up a new piggy bank for that. Dude, we leave Haifa port and we go to Cyprus. We go to Greece. We go to Crete. Oh, man. Oh, man. We got to we, do that. We sail. Can you make fr- like, can you learn about Crete or something so you can be like the scholar in residence? Well, people that don't know about Crete are, are, Cretans. <laughs> are not Cretans, it turns <laughs> yeah, out. Cretans. Okay, there you go. So, so yeah, I'm excited to visit oh, man. Those, those Greek I islands. so want to go on a cruise. Oh, it's going to be awesome, Mark. It's going to be awesome. It's gonna, and it's going to bring us back to Haifa where I was born. Yes. Oh, let's yeah. Let's do it. Oh, beautiful Haifa. Oh, man. Oh, man. What a dream. I signed up. I went to the website. Yeah. I, I like signed up for the emails, the little like, so I can at least see the pictures of my email. No, we're you're gonna. We be, gotta go. You're oh, gonna be please, posting please, the pictures. Hurrah, okay. Yeah. Food, food, food. Little dolphins are gonna be like. <laughs> they're gonna. <laughs> it's actually. That sounds like a turkey. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you're very much yeah. better uh, uh, listen, than me. I grew up by the sea, sweetie. Uh, anyway. <laughs> what were you raised by dolphins? Yeah. So my name is Merman. Okay. <laughs> and uh, okay. So so we'll be we'll be swimming along with the dolphins to to to, to Greece. Our our you know our important new ally here in the Middle East. Most important thing is that Israel's got to become a naval power. That's what, uh, something I really believe in. And when I'm prime minister. You bet I'm going to get another yes. submarine. Yes, and we're going on one of those. We're going to go out on yeah. a prime ministerial cruise. Yeah, that's right, in a sub. I I never forget. In a sub. I never forget when BB came out. One came out one of those German subs parked off of uh, the coast of Israel. He like climbed up. Yeah, I was and like, like, hey. I was like, that is a that is a moment in history. Yeah, that is a moment in history. All right, folks. There's a lot of great moments in history. There's a lot of great cruises of of the the cruise of the journey of the Jewish people and and uh, and our great friends around the world. The light that's coming out of this country, uh, out of this out of the state, out of this land. And out of God's dream coming to fruition in our life, we have a small part in to thank Hashem for every moment that we have just even a abyssal, abyssal, a shtickle, uh, a, a shmear of, <laughs> of, of, of a touch uh, of, this, of this great thing. And you're a part of it wherever you are. Maka Flesh, I want to wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Thank you, Shabbat Shalom. And I want to urge everybody to stick around because we have the great Fleur Hassan next. So good. She's really great and it's a great interview. Uh, and she, she, she was just uh, totally on fire. And right after that, of course... The immutable, the the ineffable, Rav Mike Foyer, yes. uh, the one and only, uh, joins me for, for for Torah portion of the week. So God bless you guys. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. We'll be right back with more with lots of love from the land of Israel. Shalom. All right, folks. We are back here on the Shai Fleischer Show. We have a special guest today, which I'm really excited about. I've wanted to have her on the show for a long time. Flor Hassan Nachum is the deputy mayor of Jerusalem, which is like the greatest job in the world, right? You got Yerushalayim, the greatest city in the world. And you got the greatest job to be the mayor, or deputy mayor. And we just had the mayor uh, of Jerusalem, Moshe Leon, in Hebron. And now we have a floor uh, with us on the show today. And Floor is an Israeli politician, a policymaker. She's actually, as, I, as at least says this on Wikipedia, the only British citizen to have a high office here in Israel. Uh, we'll see if that's true or not. She's in charge of foreign relations, international economic development, and tourism. She's also the co-founder and founding member of UAE Israel Business Council. So the UAE Israel thing, the whole Abraham Accords, Fleur is on that as well. Fleur Shalom and welcome to the show. How are you? Wonderful being here, Ishai. I'm glad we got to do this finally. So is this the, do you have the greatest job in the world or not? You know what? There are moments, there are, well, yes. 
But there are days when it's really tough, John, because, you know, Jerusalem is probably the most complicated city in the world. Um, but it's really, I pinch myself some mornings and I'm like, what did I do to deserve this? You know, that 3,000 year old capital city of our people. And I get to somehow represent it and work for it. So, yeah, I'm. I'm thrilled most of the time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, the, the times that you're not thrilled, that's when you know it's work. That's what exactly. I always tell. That's right. That's when you know you're actually like being paid to do a job. Exactly. Uh, Flora, you, you, you actually come from a political family. Uh, your sister, I think, is a, is a, what is she exactly? She's, She's a member of parliament, of the Gibraltar parliament. Right, Gibraltar. And your father was the mayor of Gibraltar for a My very long time. Is that right? the first mayor and then the first chief minister, which is like prime minister. For like a long time though, like how many yeah. years was he in this position? Yeah. They think Bibi's been in power for long. <laughs> how long was he in power altogether, your father? Well, overall, you know, about 30, 40 years. <laughs> now, now Gibraltar is, uh, I, I, I might've flown over Gibraltar. Uh, I've, I think I landed in Spain one time. And of course in America, we have like a bank called Prudential and it's got like the, you know, the big symbol of the, of the, of the, of the rock. I've seen it on James Bond films, but like, yes. what's it like, what's it like growing up in Gibraltar? What, what's that like? You know, it's like, it's very kind of kibbutzy in a way. It's like a small town where everybody really knows it. If you're Jewish, everybody knows you and they know your business. <laughs> um, if you, you know, and and Jews and, and non-Jews and Muslims and Christians live in real coexistence and peace. And this is something that really informs my work every day, that I know what it can be like when people just get along. Um, and so, you know, so so the Jews, every, everybody knows everybody's business. And the non-Jews practically know everything as well, you know, and everybody knows everything about each other. So it's like one big kibbutz, um, but it's also very kind people, very kind of, warm people very mediterranean people um and and there's never been you know no no real anti-semitism look imagine my father was a very proud jew observant jew uh who got elected eight times and everybody knew who he was and everybody knew he was jewish and i think it takes a special town uh right at the beginning of last century uh after the after the second world war to elect um, a Jewish uh, head of state again and again and again. Mm -hmm. How are the beaches in Gibraltar? Is it, is it also like good mm, water? Not there? great. It's like European beaches, like brown. They're not like beautiful uh -huh. Hatzliya, Neharia beaches or uh -huh. Caribbean beaches. No, it's not that. But it's a beautiful place, very Mediterranean. People are lovely. The food is great. Um, the Jewish community is lovely. We have beautiful synagogues, old Spanish, uh, Portuguese, Moroccan synagogues. Uh, we have wonderful customs. It's, it's a wonderful community that's been there for hundreds and fun, hundreds of years. So I guess that growing up in a place that is multi-ethnic, and what are the ethnicities there? Uh, there's Spanish, there's British people. What else is there? There's Indians. Um, there's a Muslim, Moroccan Muslims. Um yeah, that's about it. Muslims, Indians, Catholics, the Christians are mainly Catholic, uh, Jews. Um, and uh, it's it's really wonderful. I, I have to say it's a very, very warm, welcoming place. If you go to shul on Shabbat and somebody notices you're a new face, you'll get about four invitations for Shabbat lunch. That's the type of place that it is. That's good. That's really fun. So so coming from a multi-ethnic type place, multi-religious, multi-ethnic place, and also coming from a political family, I have noticed 
that people that come from political families oftentimes do well in, in politics the next generation because they have it in their blood. They see what it's really like. And I wanted to ask you, like, how much of, of growing up in your father's house, I guess you and your sister both became, you know, are in politics. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't like the word politics, though, by the way. I like the word leadership. I, yeah. I'm not always... Well, you know what, Ishai? I wish every politician was a leader. Unfortunately, they're not. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Politics has become an ugly word. Isn't that sad? Um well, look, I, I do think that, I, I'll tell you this, I, my father and mother were never kind of pushed us. There was no expectation. In fact, on the contrary, they were like, it's such a sacrificed life, you know. Why would you want to go into this? I don't think, I, I mean, I think they, they weren't encouraging particularly. So we're certainly not here because there was any pressure from the family. We're the very opposite. But I do think that politics is something which is very alien to a lot of people. When right. they look at it from the outside, they see such a hostile environment, such a snake pit. And I'm not saying it's not. <laughs> but when you grow up in it, it's what you know. You know, it's what you know. That's why children of doctors sometimes become doctors and children of lawyers sometimes become lawyers, because it's what you know. Um, and so I've seen very ugly side of politics growing up, but I've also seen a very beautiful side of leadership of my father helping people, advancing his society, uh, being loved for the work that he did. Um, and so helping people all time of the day or night, saving lives, literally. And so I've seen, along with the ugly, I've seen also the very beautiful side of stepping up to the plate and taking a leadership role and taking responsibility, assuming responsibility for your people or for your community. And so I guess that's, that is a very big part of it, because if I didn't know that, I'm not sure I would have thought to go into it. It wouldn't have even been maybe on my radar in my world, in my ecosystem. And so the fact that it was meant that it was when the opportunity presented itself, I kind of jumped at the chance. So now you, you've uh, you, you I, I, I don't want to go through the whole history, but you went through a few different political parties. Uh, you were with Zev Elkin. <laughs> Zev Elkin also, one. right? Didn't you, well, you started with, wasn't the Likud right. at the time. What was I going right. to do? I'm a member of the Likud party. I didn't, I, I've never been part of any other national party except for the Likud. But when I started my political career, I started in a local political party called the Yerushalmim at the time. Um, it, they, they were not a national party. They were a local party. And so I started off with them. I went as uh, number two of Zev Elkin when he ran for mayor. He didn't win. Um, but I got my seat and then I was, I guess, lucky enough um, uh, to back the right horse in the second round, which was Moshe Leon, who I very much love, admire and work closely with. Um, and when he won, uh, as I'd supported him, he said, well, what do you want? I said, uh, I want to do foreign relations for the city of Jerusalem, which is what you do for Hebron, Ishai. That's you right. Know. And I, I know Jerusalem is a, is a city that is dear to so many countries and so many peoples, not just, of course, the Jewish people, which is the heart and soul of our people, but it's dear and close to so many other religions, you know, around the world and so many other cities around the world that I wanted to be and I wanted to have that privilege to represent my city in foreign bodies, sometimes fighting and sometimes celebrating. Um, but I wanted to be that person representing the heart and soul of the Jewish people, our capital city, for 3,000 years, Jerusalem. Usually there's a lot of tourists in Jerusalem. There's a lot of 
Asians and Italians and, and Catholics coming to the Catholic sites and, and, and all kinds of Asian folks and Russian folks, people from all over the world coming for their religion, their thing, coming to see Jerusalem for the first time. Israel uh, was uh, peaking at 4.1 million tourists a year. Yeah. By the way, just in parentheses, I like to remind people that that doesn't come close to Turkey's 51 or 52 you million know, visitors. Isha, it's so funny you say that because I, <laughs> I tell you, it's very funny you say that because everybody gives themselves a big slap on the back. You know, all, all these government people congratulate themselves for the 4.1, let's say 5 million tourists a year. And I remind them that I come from a little place called Gibraltar, tiny place at the bottom of Spain, opposite Morocco. You know how many tourists we get in Gibraltar? No, I don't know. 10 to 12 million. And so I say... <laughs> That's yes, shocking. It's shocking. That's the Holy sh Land shocking. versus Gibraltar. Now, of course, a lot of the tourists are coming in from Spain, and Spain is a big tourism country. Still, you know, I, I hate it when these, and I hate to say this, men, but there's, a, there's all these men in government who are giving themselves prizes. <laughs> For what? Women are so much more self-critical. You know, if it was me, I'd be like, why are we on 10 million? <laughs> But everybody's giving themselves prizes for these four million, and I say, guys, we're not even close. But, but by the way, just so you know, like there's there's a pasuk, uh, a verse about Leah, and it says, "Vatera uh, kisnuahi." She saw that she was hated, uh, or or disliked, or disfavored, and but it never says that Yaakov disliked her. So I saw one of the commentators say, "Leah, she's like a, she's like a righteous person," and in what you explained, like women do, she's self-critical. She saw she saw that she she was a person who's always hating herself in the sense that she was always challenging herself, wanted more, wanted something better, was not satisfied with everything, was not patting herself on the back, and that's why God, you know, uh, gave her the, the children that she had. In any case, uh, I digress. Um, um, you're you're totally right. Uh, we 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 love to pat ourselves on the back. It's something with the with the like the Hasbara way. We did the same thing also recently with the with the vaccines with so much pride that we were the first that we got the most. I tell people like like push push it down a little bit. Keep it a little bit quieter. You got the medicine good. What are you so proud that you have more medicine than other people? It doesn't it doesn't look good to anybody. People don't like that. But in any case, I was I was saying originally that we usually have a lot of tourists right now. The tourists yeah. are internal. We don't have yeah. a, uh, it's on, on, on the one hand, it's by the way been a very special year because you could go to the old city and it's there's yeah. not the throngs, there's not all these all, all these folks. But for you and your position is also in charge of tourism. Yeah. Uh, what's Jerusalem been like without its tourists? It's been a really rough year because look, this 30 we we figure out that about 30% of the income of the city is coming from foreign tourism. And just to give you an idea of now, say that again, how much? About 30%. Wow. We're talking about, listen, not just hotels. Hotels are the biggest employers in the city. Mm. Okay. We also have all the cafes and the restaurants. Sure. And all the shops and all the arts and crafts. There's so much in Jerusalem which is connected to the foreign tourism that you can't separate that from regular small business life because it's so intertwined. The success is normally about the foreign tourists that come to the city. And just to give you an idea, you know, um, Jerusalem has 80% normally, 80% foreign tourism as opposed to 20% internal tourism, local tourism. Mm. Elat, for example, is the opposite. 80% local tourism and 20% foreign tourism. Right. And so it was a catastrophe, catastrophe. So what we did last summer was 
uh, try, we did a big campaign. I did this with uh, Rav Rafi Peretz, who is uh, still the Jerusalem Affairs Minister. And we did a very big campaign around Israel saying to people, you don't need to go to Hul, you don't need to go outside of Israel, come to Jerusalem. Right. Um, and and, and there were, you, had, you had posters, you had posters that said, Achichul Ba'aretz. So I, right. this was my concept, and I was very criticized for this, because people were like, how can you say we're Hul? I said, guys, this is not a principled sentence. This is a marketing sentence. Right. The four million Israelis that leave the country every summer to go to Europe, and Rome and Prague and this and that. I want them to think, hey, we have something better right here. Right. We are the, the, exotic, more exotic than anywhere else. That's right. That was the concept. It worked. But people were like, oh, what are you saying? <laughs> you know, I, I, I understood. I also you saw people it? there. Yeah, I understood it. I definitely understood it. And I also know just simply from the my experience with the other Israel, with the Israel that I do army reserves with, the, the yeah. Tel Aviv Israel. Exactly. That, that in their mind, they actually tell me, I've heard it said before, they're like, when I go to, to, to Yerushalayim, it's like I'm going to Chutzlarz. And they don't mean that derisively. They mean that, you know, it's just a different... exotic. Yeah, it's exotic. It's exotic. And, yeah, it's... I, and we have, you know, you have Roman ruins here. People don't get that. <laughs> and, and you have so many layers and layers and layers of history. You have, what, you have five, six European capitals in one place here. That's right. And that's so right. that was the concept to me. The concept was, tell those exactly, that other Israel that you and I are less a part of, the Israel that is secular, disconnected um, to, to, to that kind of, the heritage part of our, our tourism, and say, look what we have here. And it worked. Every weekend, during the week, we were full 60, 70% a lot. The mm -hmm. weekends, we were 70 upwards percent every weekend was full here. So the campaign actually worked. Um, and then we were going to into a Selichot campaign, and then the, the second lockdown came. So we did our best in what we could do. We did something very unique, which was buy product. We bought vouchers for tour guides so that tour guides could have some oxygen, some income coming in. We bought entrances to um, tour, tourist sites. And what we did was that anybody who came for a weekend or for one night to Jerusalem, they got an envelope with tickets for things, so that not only we would be able to get the economy going, um, that people would have an incentive to come here as opposed to go somewhere else. That's so that fabulous. campaign worked very well. Listen, you can't go close to uh, to the foreign tourism, but it worked. We've done a lot of online stuff to keep the Jerusalem content pumping around the world with our evangelical friends, etc. Um, I'm very, very much into that and I've been producing a lot of content uh, for our friends from abroad um, and just keeping Jerusalem, our name, our pictures, our visuals in the, you know, in the, in the conversations from around the world for the people who are dying to come back. And so really it's Jerusalem without its tourists is really a very, uh, very depressing thing to see, but we're hoping that it'll be now less time uh, until everybody be, is able right. to come back. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, so people will be yes, yearning hopefully. to come to Jerusalem, and we hope to see that, that 4 million ceiling break. Um, there's just a few more things. I know we have a limited time, so just qu quickly a few more things. You've also been one of the people spearheading the relationship with the UAE and our new friends under the Abraham Accords. That's such yes. an exciting project. Oh, it's my so God. exciting. And, and so you've, you've and you've also pioneered a, a women's 
um, face to, to the Abraham Accords. Um, and I wanted to ask you about that. You, you've been over there. You've been treated, uh, uh, welcomed very warmly. Yes. And, and, and there really is a sense that this piece, as opposed to other pieces like, uh, like with Jordan and with Egypt, is warm. It's excited. We're, on this, um, we're in a closer wavelength in terms of how we want to see the future of the Middle East. So tell me a little bit about your relationship with the UAE. So absolutely. I, you know, it's funny because for about a year and a half, I was in deep conversations with our mutual friends, Ari Lightstone and uh, Ambassador Friedman, all about, I mean, I didn't realize, uh, they knew of course, but I didn't, uh, that peace was going to be signed so quickly. But we were definitely talking about um, mutual projects between Israel and the UAE. Of course, my angle is always Jerusalem and how we can, uh, you know, do under the radar normalization. Um, a good friend of mine, my co-founder, uh, Dorian Barak, has been doing business in the Gulf. He's an American-Israeli for many, many years. And he's been telling me for ages, Fleur, this is the new frontier for Israel. Mm. You know, the Gulf. This is our re a moment to become a regional partner. And so we already in June set up this business council, kind of very under the radar, low key. Um, the next thing we know the announcement comes and we just jumped headfirst. We set up an online platform, which today has created a community of 4,000 Emiratis and Israelis, almost equal amounts, which is incredible. And what we wanted to do, I mean, we felt that we needed to create, you know, pieces signed on the top, but pieces made from the bottom up. Mm -hmm. And what we wanted to do was provide that platform for people to talk to each other, do business together, because through business, you get to know each other's cultures, you build trust. Um, and so we created this online platform. We went out there. We met so such warm people. Yeah, I felt so much at home. And look, I also have the extra thing that I'm a, a Sephardi Jew. And I think, and this is what, you know, I always try and say to our friends in the States, when they try and portray the Palestinian-Israeli conflict as, uh, you know, white against black, you know, there are Jews that are ethnic. Uh, there are Jews. My mother's from Morocco. And my husband's family are from Iraq. We are Jews of this region. Uh, and so when I went there, you know, apart from the fact that my name is <laughs> such an Arab name, I felt at home. They felt I was one of them. You know, we have such similar, such cultural similarities. There's way more that unites us than what divides us. And they were so warm and willing and open. Their hearts were open to this peace they, we're curious about each other. Everybody's asking me about Judaism. We're asking them about their customs, about their family customs, about their religious customs. And so this really has been one of the most formative, one of the most significant experiences of my life. And yeah. I'm so happy that I was able to be to be part of something so positive and forward thinking for our country. Right. And for the region. And and okay, so now let, let's get to the last part of the of the conversation. Um Let's just talk about politics for a second. Do you yeah. think that the Abraham's Accords are going to hold up uh, under the stress of a, a different type of American administration who may not be as favorable to that? Uh, to, to that, I mean, they're not against it maybe so far, but you know, not the same kind of push forward, uh, maybe back to the old idea that uh, that uh, Kerry said a few times, which is that, no. you know, there's no there's no peace in the Middle East without solving yeah. the Palestinian problem. Like, well, are we going to go back to that or, or is this or these relationships going to hold? Well, first of all, Kerry uh, has been proven wrong. So they're not going back. Mm -hmm. uh, the proof is that we have peace for peace. 
uh, which is what Netanyahu talks about, and he's 100% right. Um, look, I think uh, I'm, I'm a positive person in general. So I like to look at the positive. And the, I see a few things that I want to mention. A, that Biden is not Obama. Thank God. Um, and he's certainly uh, less kind of um, ideological about what he thought was correct and right or what should be. I think uh, he's more experienced. He understands Israel. Um, and he's, he understands the, 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 the arena a little bit better. He's not running to make peace with the uh, Iranians. Um, they came out in favor of us in the ICC. Scandalous decision last week. And so I think, first of all, that the Biden administration does not have those kind of false, um, uh, I guess, visions or dreams um, that the Obama administration had. Um, so that's one thing. The second thing is, you know, I hate to break it to everybody, but this has got its own legs now. It's right. got its own momentum. You know, we've got now four Abraham Accords countries. I reckon Oman and Saudi Arabia around the corner, and that's going to be, especially Saudi Arabia, deeply significant. We're talking about two kingdoms where the young generation is taking over from the older generation. And they're Western educated. They have Jewish friends. It's a different, they understand Israel, the startup nation can only, you know, be a fantastic partner. And we have common security defense threats, and that is Iran. And so the way I see it is, if the Americans run towards a peace treaty with Iran, that's going to push Saudi Arabia right into our arms. And if they don't, even better. We can continue building the region, building these partnerships and extending um, the members of this wonderful Abraham Accords initiative. Mm -hmm. Well, let's hope that's right. Let's hope that's right. Because there could be, some people may worry that there could be a cooling, uh, depending on, on how powers line up. But I think I agree with you. Uh, let's, let's get to the last part, which is the question of, you mentioned Netanyahu. Uh, Netanyahu is uh, looking sprightly, and he and he's back out there in the field doing zooms, doing his uh, yeah. his videos. Uh, but 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 the the coalition that should be formed could be formed is not exactly it's it's not coming forward perfectly yet, at least according to to polls. And we you know we are not uh, we, uh, people who are experienced in politics know that that polls are often a kind of false religion, a kind of idolatry. That they don't really tell you the truth. But, but you know still, what though, Simon Paris used to say. He used to say that polls are like perfume, smell, but uh, sniff, but don't swallow. That's uh, right. That's right. And, 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 and he was master of those quips. Yes. But how do you see the political map shaping up in our system, which is a coalition system of many different parties? How do you see it? Do you see a, a classic coalition of Netanyahu, the ultra-Orthodox, uh, the National Religious Party, and maybe Bennett? Do you see that kind of forming again? Or do you see maybe power swinging to a new kind of coalition with Bennett, Saar, Lapid, that whole that whole side of the equation. Well, I think, look, anything could happen. Um, and we really don't know yet because maybe even with Yamina, Bibi won't be able to form a coalition. We don't know yet. Of course, I'm a Likud member and I'm very much uh, actively campaigning uh, for the Likud uh, to, to win as many seats as possible. I think we have a system that needs to be revisited because it's really incredible that small parties can have so much power, disproportionate power the power of bringing down governments and forming governments. So I'm, you know, I'm a European. I believe in a parliamentary system that has a winner and a loser. And that's that, <laughs> you know, like America. Um, so I really don't know what's going to happen. But, um, but what's very clear, Ishai, is that a good majority of this country is right-leaning. That's what's clear. 
And so what I'm hoping is that we end up forming a right-leaning government that does not, that its ideology is not about no Bibi, yes Bibi, it's about what's right for our country, to strengthen our country, to, um, to strengthen our economy. I'm, uh, you know, I'm a liberal in terms of economic values, that's why I'm in the Likud. Um, we have to break bureaucracy, we have to deregulate, we have to open markets. Um, you know, these are important things for the continued growth of our country. And these are the things that only the right wing really, certainly the Likud, uh, is offering. Um, and I hope that we have a, a, a nice right wing coalition the way we should have had two years ago when uh, Lieberman decided that his hatred for Bibi was stronger than his right wing ideology. <clears throat> By the way, you mentioned yourself being a European and also Sephardi Jew. Like I'm also a Russian Jew. My parents are Russian Jews. And, and the Lieberman taking away of the, of the Russian vote the nationalist right-wing Russian vote and turning them to into anti-BB votes and anti-ultra-orthodox votes, I think that is a great theft. I think he's done a great disservice, really lied to his people and, and told them He that lied they, to people. He said he yeah. would support BB and then he went against. And we're in this mess because of him. And, That's right. and, and again, it's personal. I'm saying to everybody, just put your personal aside for a second and think about what your ideology is and where you come from. That's the bottom line, where you want to see your country. Where's the vision? I want to see the vision of these people, not just, oh, we hate BB because he, you know, he did this to me and he did that to me. That's not what it's about. It's that's not about right. you. It's not about you. It's about the collective and it's about your people. And that's what I want everybody to get over. Floor, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you thank are you, the Jack. deputy mayor. Floor Hassan Nahum, you are the deputy mayor of Jerusalem. Uh, you're also the founder, co-founder of the UAE Israel Business Council. And uh, you're at the Likud, and uh, you have the great merit of being part of Yerushalayim. You're a Kodesh reborn uh, in our time, and really bringing a vision of King David of 3,000 years ago, of Abraham, uh, into Amen. our lives, into the lives of millions of people around the world who see Jerusalem as a spiritual capital, uh, and also a great capital of the great state of Israel. You have a, a great job, and keep up your good work. Thank you so much for Thanks, being with Isha. us. Thank you. Kol Tov. All right, folks, you are listening to the Ishai Fleischer Show, and so fun to have so fun to have Fleur Hassan with us and so fun to have you with us. So write me an email, yishayishayfleischer.com. And if you want to talk uh, with the Fleur, if you want to send her an email, send me an email and I'll forward it to her. No problem. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be just that easy. You can communicate with the Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem. And it's such a schut, such a merit to be alive in this time where we have a, a, a Jewish state reborn in this, in this land. And, and the, the state of Israel can be understood like Jerusalem is also a name for all of Israel, right? Like any capital is a name. <clears throat> for that country, you know, like Washington is like America. But Jerusalem, the fact that it's reborn in our time uh, means that, 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 that there's a Jerusalem in this world. There's a capital of spirituality that everybody could turn their face towards. And that is one of the most exciting things in the world. Like when you're, and I have some friends who got me so turned on to loving Yerushalayim. And, and, and let's, let's, let's kind of concentrate for a second about the things that we could love so much. We can, we can love so much the Torah. We could love so much God. We could love the land of Israel. We could love the forefathers and mothers. And we could love Yerushalayim. My friend says it's all about Yerushalayim. My friend Mayor Eisenman told me, taught me that it's really all about Yerushalayim and all about having the passion for rebuilding the city. And, and I have so many friends who are involved in just the rebuilding of just that city, but through the rebuilding of Jerusalem, you rebuild the whole thing. The whole thing gets stronger, and uh, God is 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 giving us strength uh, to give 
him in a boat in this world, that means that God has decided something amazing, and we're a part of it. Uh, so I want you to write me an email and with the hashtag Jerusalem, exclamation point, with a picture of Jerusalem, with a drawing of Jerusalem, and tell me how Jerusalem is in your life. So right now, uh, Johan or Johan, Bijou George says, I hope to visit the City of Peace one day. That is a good one. Uh, City of Peace is, is a good name. But my favorite is Ir Hanetzach. You're right, it's called also City of Peace, but I like Ir Hanetzach, the eternal, eternal city. Yerushalayim, the eternal city. What an awesome schut it is to be broadcasting to you uh, and to get strength from, from God to send out this message to the world. More great stuff is on the way. Tune into our podcast as well. We're going to have Maka Fleischer and more great stuff. And also all of our sponsors, all of our friends that make this show strong, free, uh, spread out to the world, uh, and broadcast it here from the Holy Land. God bless you wherever you are. Shalom. All right, folks. I hope you enjoyed Floor Hassan. She is awesome. And, and really one of the rock stars, which, which tells you, you know, people say to me sometimes, we don't have Gedolim in our age. We have Gedolim. We have Gedolot. We have amazing people who are part of, of this process of moving it forward. And they're coming from all over the world, like places like Gibraltar. And that is just, uh, that's just a gift for our time. Let us recognize the great people in our time. Speaking of great people, here's Rev Mike Foyer joining me for a convo uh, about... Uh, about the Torah portion of Vayikal Pekude, the double portion which finishes off the Chazak Chazak of the book of Exodus. Shalom everybody and welcome to the Yishai Fleischer Show broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. Shalom and welcome to Rav Mike Foyer who joins us from the Pardes Institute. Shalom Rav Mike. Hello Yishai, it's good to see you. It's great to see you today uh, and um, I'm, I'm excited for today Rav Mike because today uh, I have a wedding, a wedding Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going Master. to I'm going, and I'm and, and, and without any judgment everybody, I'm going to be flashing my green passport, okay? Uh which means that I've been double inoculated and 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 friends on both sides. Some say Yashakoch, some say, you know, uh, you'll be Enjoy your soon. microchip. That's right. You know what I tell my 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 uh, my let's call post vaxxers. They don't like being called anti vaxxers. So my post vaxxer friends, <laughs> I just made that up. Uh, so my is that funny? My post vaxxer friends, I I had this joke with them. I, I said to them, you know, it's um, through natural selection. You guys are luddites. You guys are against technology. So through nat- natural selection, you won't be here much longer, and and the inoculated will survive. And they re- reply with in kind when they say quickly. Uh, yes, that's true, except the opposite. You're the one who's... Right, you're not going to be able to be. reproduce because <laughs> it's going to destroy your genetic material. Therefore, In any case, uh, uh, all that aside, and please, friends, let's, 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 uh, let's raise ourselves above the, the great uh, vaccine debate. And, uh, and I'm just excited that I'm going to a wedding of a buddy. Uh, uh, asks Lou Weiss, are you officiating at the wedding? No, I'm not officiating, but... But the likelihood is if I get there in time, the rabbi will ask me to do something since it's a, a wedding of a traditional but not fully observant person. So likelihood is that they'll ask He's going to take one look at you and say, that guy is in my corner. That's what they do. They do it every time when I come to these weddings. Like, like you. Yeah, they, yeah I'm, I'm like, yes, yes, I'll hold the poll. I'll yes, sign will, this document, whatever yes, it is. Yes, yes. I will attest to the fact that they are indeed married. That's right. I will. Exactly. So, I will even make a uh, And then tonight, Rav Mike Foyer, tonight – uh, they are opening the tombs. They're opening an entrance to the tombs of Kalev ben Yifunen Yoshua ben Nun uh, in uh, in the village of Kifal Charis or Timnat Charis. It's got two names. 
and it's right directly north of uh, the town of Ariel. It's um, it's abutting Ariel to the on the north side, and the army is opening it up tonight. So I'm going to be taking my one of uh, my son, one of my sons, and my mother hopefully tonight to the tombs of uh, Kalev ben Yifunen and Yeshua ben Nun. This is in time for my son Elazar, who's actually finishing the book of Joshua in school, uh, to uh, to connect with the uh, with a man. So I'm excited. I'm excited to be. Wow, it's an I'm adventure. Exci- yes, I'm excited to be getting out there, and that that, that life is opening up again. Uh, and I've downloaded the the green passport to my phone, and and we're ready to go. Uh, we have we have also have a big Torah portion coming up, uh, which is a um, it's a it's if what's the word I was looking? I had a word for it. Now I forgot. Uh, it's a um, it's it's a whole lot of info of oh, yeah. of, um, of the really the creation of the tabernacle. And and its ve- and, and its uh, vessels and vestments. So I want to read a little bit in a nutshell what this Torah portions, these two Torah portions are about, and then we'll get to discussing it more nitty gritty. Sure. So m- so the first thing is that Moses assembles the the people of Israel and reiterates to them the commandment to observe the Shabbat, and this is understood to mean that the Shabbat does not um, is not allowed to be desecrated. For the building of the Mishkan Tabernacle, yeah. Um, and so, by the way, today we, we're going to tackle the Tabernacle, and we're also going to uh, we have a knack for the dap- Tabernacle. I think a knack for tackling Tabernacle. That's right, t- t- a knack for tackling. Knack for tackling Tabernacle. I want to try. That's a good one. A, a knack for tackling the Tabernacle. Say that. Tackling the Tabernacle. There you go. Okay. So then, after that, Moses is going to convey God's instructions regarding the making of the Mishkan. Uh, the people donate. Now, this is going to be the big thing. It's going to be donating the requirement materials in abundance, bringing gold, silver, copper, blue, purple, and red dyed wool, goat hair. Goat, goat hair. I definitely brought the goat hair. That's right. Bring the goat hair, the spun linen, animal skins, wood, olive oil, herbs, and precious stones. And Moses, at some point, has to tell him to stop giving. Like, okay. This just yeah, That's right. Hold there. Um, a team of, of wise-hearted artisans are going to make the Mishkan and its furnishings. Uh, three layers of roof coverings, three or four layers, depending on how you uh, understand it. But uh, generally, people understand three. Some people understand four. Uh, 48 gold-plated wall panels. That's a lot of gold. That's a lot of gold. 100 silver foundation sockets. Uh, the Where paroch- you get this laundry list from? Yeah, I took I took it from Chabad.org. Um, the masach screen that that fronts it. Oh wait, I missed one. The parochet veil that separates between the sanctuaries two chambers. The masach screen that fronts it. The ark, the cover with the cherubim, the cover of the ark of the covenant, the table and the showbread. That's where the loaves, the twelve loaves, are placed. The seven branched menorah with its specially prepared oil. The golden altar and the incense burnt on it, the anointing oil, the outdoor altar for for burnt offerings and its implements, the hangings, posts and foundation sockets for the courtyard, the basin and its pedestal made out of the famous copper mirrors which we discussed last week. Uh, so that's that's going to be vayikal, uh, uh, vayakel. Now I want to ask you, and there's also pikude we'll get to in a second. I want to ask you of Mike Foyer. We started the book of Shemot, the book of Exodus. With with the life of Moses, with the birth of Moses, with the Exodus, with the splitting of the Red Sea, and we got to Mount Sinai. 
we're going to end this very same book, which is the book in, in English called Exodus, and the rabbis too understand this as the book of liberation. We end the book of liberation with blueprints about how to build a tabernacle. How does that jive? How, how, is, that, how is that a kind of a fitting end to like the personality of Moses, the fight between Moses and Pharaoh, the Exodus? Like that is a very kind of human story, and we're finishing up with blueprints for how to build a tabernacle. Do you think that do you think that connects right? I think absolutely, because one of the great dangers of a redemptive story um, is that it come to an end. I mean, there was like once upon a time that happened to those guys over there. Maybe I draw lessons from it, maybe some inspiration, but I don't necessarily see it as my story. And 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 that was a problem, by the way, that we think of that now, three that plus thousand years later, you know, but just Remember that, that that is the same problem for the children of the slaves that came out from Egypt as it is for us. And, and one of the major themes in the entire book of Exodus, we're coming up on Pesach soon, is that you got to tell the Vinchar, you got to tell the story to your children, that, that memory isn't just a tool, it's a sacred task. But memory functions in many ways. And so therefore, the way I understand the structure of the book of Exodus is that the, the Mishkan is the vessel to hold a redemptive story. Right, that, that that we're getting these blueprints at the end in order that we understand that that the 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 sort of arc of the Exodus didn't happen once upon a time. It's something which needs to be continually an ongoing process, which is why, of course, the, the ultimately the tabernacle and the Mishkan is is replaced by the Mikdash, right? And and if you think about it, the you know on Pesach the central text of the Magid of the retelling the story is the text of Arameo Vedavi, that my father was a wandering Aramean who went down to Egypt. They're in the temple, the most permanent fixture, please God, let it be soon, let it be now, that the Jewish people know. We're going to tell the story of when we were wandering and when we had to come out and God save us. Why? Because that's the vessel that can hold that story and make it real for every single person. And so therefore, every, every redemptive story has to have a vessel Otherwise, it just becomes a fairy tale about once upon a time this happened to somebody else, and maybe I'm inspired, mm. but it's not my story. Mm. So what you're saying is basically it's going to house the continuation of the story. It's going to embody the story. Uh, and, and that reminds me a little bit about this, this, this past year. In the last week or two, uh, we've been allowed to go back into the synagogue, the physical synagogue, the, the prayer house. And I must say uh, that while I enjoy praying outside – to have the structure again with the books and with the with the Aaron Kodesh with the the Ark of the the the, the Ark that holds the Torah scrolls, it's been very. <coughs> I've I you know the the value of the synagogue has uh, has grown in my eyes. Separation it's not going to be true the, for a lot of people. That's a big you, story that's going to be told. And there's a lot of people who don't want to go actual. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, I, we haven't actually fully gone back because um, there's a machloket in my community because you know the kids can't go back into shul because they haven't been vaccinated. So a lot of us feel that that like if I can't go to shul with my son, then I'd rather stay outside. Right. It's a lot easier because the weather has turned as well. I mean, right. The weather this, is this was a story right like even two three weeks ago when it was cold, driving rain. <laughs> now it's actually kind of nice. I, I really yeah, yeah. I like diving outside. That's right, and I, I like it also. But still, um, uh, I've been enjoying sitting down. You know, in my seat with my desk and with kind of the the you know it's just it's nice to be back inside the, yeah. the synagogue and yeah. and I think that, that that makes sense here. Okay, so you're saying that there's an embodiment of 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 the liberation story 
in the tabernacle, in the temple, in the synagogue to a lesser level, but still For sure. uh, we have a lot of laws about, about respecting the synagogue. It's really taken very seriously. In fact, in my community, there are two synagogues that, that are now standing in the way of a street that, that has to be widened out. And I think when they were originally built, it was understood that it was going to be temporary. But I'm very excited to see the way that they halakhically deal with taking down these synagogues. Not are they going to not simple. There's yeah. a lot of halakh about that, and are they going to replace it immediately and all kinds of stuff? So, but I'm yeah. actually I'm I'm excited to how can I say it when I see those synagogues about to be destroyed, uh, I, I'm I'm a little bit how should I say I'm excited for the next stage and how it's going to be done properly in yeah. order to give these synagogues their next stage and and the road that does need to be widened out. Now, I do want to point out that there's a parallel to what you what you mentioned at the beginning that. Um, Moshe starts off the description of the building of the Mishkan with a reminder, so to speak, of the sanctity of Shabbat. Right? There, there's, a, there's a parallel structure because the, the Mishkan is where we learn the 39 forbidden types of labor on Shabbat. Because the Mishkan is not just the place where the story of the Exodus can constantly be sort of re-encountered and, and uh, identified with. It's also a microcosm of creation. It becomes a vessel for for reengaging the fact that the creator of the world is always present and always creating, right? So therefore, the, the one of the reasons that, that Shabbat is mentioned at the beginning is to remind you, not just the sort of very important technical point, which is that you don't push aside Shabbat, the construction of the Mishkan, but, but actually what Shabbat is in time, the Mishkan is in space, that these are the vessels of sanctity, and therefore the relationship to the creator and the relationship to the exodus can both be embodied there. Okay, so what does it mean then that that the that the tabernacle cannot put push off the prohibitions of the Sabbath of Shabbat? Like why it, does why does one beat the other then? Well, I mean, careful. It's a little bit overly simplistic. The construction of the tabernacle right. doesn't push aside Shabbat, but the avoda, the service which is done there, does. Meaning, mm. we're, we're we're slaughtering animals, we're burning their limbs, we're lighting the incense, etc. On Shabbat, things that we don't do outside of the temple courts or the tabernacle courts. So I would say that that um, I think that 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 um, the eagerness to build a vessel. And the perception, right, rightly so, that that, that that vessel is critical for the survival of the story might want, lead one to undermine some of the fundamental principles on which that story rests. It's, I mean, with, with, at the risk of sliding into my other hat, it's one of the great failures of uh, flaws, that I would say failures, one of the flaws built into the Zionist movement is that that, um, that there was a lot of abandonment of, of attachment to Torah, traditional narrative, et cetera, which might have been necessary in the process of building the vessel of a state, but we're paying the price now. Yeah. Right. And so, so since this is a divine command as opposed to a human process, like the, Z- the Zionist process was, God's being very cautious, saying, "Listen, you got to do everything to build that vessel. Give deep, dig deep, and give, but don't build any flaws at the base. Have very clear what this story is actually about." It's a great point, and um, I, I really do think that for people who have God consciousness, Torah consciousness. Land of Israel consciousness. It's in. It's absolutely incumbent upon us to right now, somehow come down off the mountain, and share truth uh, with with uh, the people of Israel. Um, I was part of a conference for the last <clears throat> two days. You know, sometimes a conference there's there's a lot of stuff happening on Zoom these days, but this thing just caught sure. my eye, and I'm like, I've got to be at this thing from beginning to end. 
And it was a conference that was co-sponsored mostly. It was with the one of the leading newspapers in Israel called Makori Shon, together with uh, the Shiloh Forum. And the main sponsor was Regavim. And mm-hmm. it was about like land theft uh, that's being done right now uh, by the PA, PLO, and Hamas in Judea and Samaria. Uh, and European support for that land theft. Uh, and both in land, physical land theft, and also in the narrative that supports that land theft to the tune of about 100 million euro a year. Uh, and <clears throat> it's a lot of money. And I realized that, like, and 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 the and the third leg of this whole thing was that the state of Israel is either being uh, extremely weak and not stopping this, or even somewhat complicit in this thing. And it and it all comes from a totally different connection to this land, to Judea, uh, by having no biblical sense. No reference, no sense of the holiness, the godliness, the history of this place. And that is a, a byproduct of what you were saying before, which is the building of, of Zionism as this thing that's supposed to create a, a, a haven for the Jewish people. But the religious biblical connection is not there. And so therefore, when you've established the bridgehead uh, of, of, of a, you know, a, safe, a safe zone for Jewish existence, the rest doesn't matter that much. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... You know, it puts me in mind, I was once uh, visiting my brother in New York City. I was I went out jogging, and I was wearing a Hebron t-shirt, you know, the, the old Ma'azum Tamid, like the, and, and I'm running along, and of course, who comes, you know, it's very funny, it was like a, a construction worker who says, hey, is that Hebrew? I said, yeah, he's like, God bless, God bless Israel. Oh, beautiful. And then there's this Israeli, literally, like, stops me as I'm running. It was a Katuv. It was a Katuv. And I was so shocked at the attack. Well, he he says, where, where's it written? Where's oh, it sorry, written? Yeah. Where's yeah. it written? Where's it written? You know, Hebron forever. And I was so shocked at the attack. I didn't even have the presence of mind to say, um, Rashid? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, listen, you don't have to love the Bible, but if you're going to ask me where it's written, I've got a pretty easy answer for right. the whole Judea-Samaria thing. Sure. <laughs> and, but but it's, it's, it's lacking. And once that, that foundational education and the value structure that goes with it is lacking. So then, okay, there are very legitimate concerns. I mean, God forbid, I would never dismiss, you know, the legitimate concerns that are out there in terms of our relationship with the land, the relationship with the Arabs who are living in the land. No, sure. they're very real concerns, but oh. it doesn't undermine the fundamental narrative. Right. Uh, the concerns are fine, but, but, but the land is being stolen uh, unfairly and, 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 and it's happening right before our eyes. And, and it's going to be what they call a priyale dorot, you know, a, 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 a weeping for generations. Weeping for generations. Uh, I personally felt that this conference, I was just like, we have to do everything in our power to both hold on to the land, but also teach the value of the story that connects people to this land. Yeah, not absolutely. just on a political and not on a security level, but on an identity level. Okay. Yeah. Let's go to Pekude, or Fekude, actually. Uh, this is an, an accounting, and we're going to get to this in a second. You know what? You know what? Actually, before we go to that, actually, I changed my mind. We'll go to a different way. I borrowed a book from the Chabad downstairs, which is... Mm. There it is. It's Rav Steinsaltz has a wonderful set in Hebrew, which is called uh, Yahadut Bejeans, which means Judaism wearing jeans. And it's really a four-set compilation of, of all the basics of Judaism. I think it was his attempt to really put Judy, Judaism, Judaism, into, into a set. 
and, and not just very cerebral stuff like he does with the Tanya or the Talmud. No, it's rather, all about accessibility. That's the Latin, the genes, right? The genes, that's, that's right. Cas- that's exactly casual it. Judaism. That's right, casual Judaism. But but there's nothing casual about it. And he yeah. has here a, compila- a compilation of... Uh, of uh, of midrashim, so let's just talk about these midrashim because I didn't want to go through the actual text today of the, of the Torah portion because it's kind of blueprintish. It's deep, yeah. So so here he says like this: It says it says basically. It says that there's no Torah portion that begins with this idea of gather everybody. Except and this, the, yeah. Except this one. And basically, that topic is about Shabbat to teach you, you should gather in communities on, on, on the Sabbaths. On the Sabbath, gather people and teach them the laws of what is not allowed and not allowed. So this Torah portion like begins with this idea, gather the people to a thing, to a, to a building, like we're going to talk about the tabernacle, gather them into the synagogues, gather them to these places on the Sabbaths, and teach them the Torah, the the, the basics. So, there, I mean, there's a real power there. And, and notice, because there's a detail which might be missed in that Midrash, is gather them on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. So wait, wait, why? I mean, gather them on Tuesdays and teach them these things. Like, why, like, why, like, Lama Dalp, could we say, like, why, you know, specifically... On the Shabbat, and, and obviously it's triggered by the fact that the discussions there on Shabbat, but the parsha doesn't happen on Shabbat, right? It's, you know, it's a discussion of Shabbat, and, and what I would point out is that um, Shabbat is meant to be a day in which we are truly free from the constraints of the world. Right? It takes a tremendous act of will, as you know, as I'm sure many people listening know, to say, "I'm going to take one seventh of my productive life and devote it to something else." And as well, such, it's, well, well, it's it, it, it at first it's a it's a like seemingly sacrifice, but then with time it becomes that you can't live without it. That's but that's precisely my point because what you see is that by doing that you change your frame of reference, and it doesn't become a sacrifice; it becomes the source of life itself. So, in the same way, you bring them together on that day to teach them oi isa and heter. Notice the language again, right? The forbidden and the permitted. Oh, you're putting all these limitations on me. Okay, I mean, maybe I'm going to accept that, but it's going to be a drag. I would have really loved to have a BLT. And, right. and, and, and in the same way, it's like, no, once you accept the fact that there's a structure within which you can live your life, there's an energy which is released there, and that Mishkan works the same way. What? God lives here? That's a little strange. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm encountering God everywhere, which is true. Absolutely true. You're talking to a guy who found God for sure in the woods before he found him in the synagogue. But nonetheless, building the power of the vessel, whether it's in time and Shabbat, whether in action through the mitzvot, or whether in space through the mishkan, gives a level of focus and depth of engagement which releases the energy of creation in a way in which the freedom that is boundless cannot do. Right, And, and that's the essence. And then you follow, that's the introductory midrash to a parsha whose detail and specificity can be completely overwhelming and can strike you as, my goodness, we've created a, a nation of OCD. Right? And we've created a, created a nation who's only concerned about, wait, how many hooks on, on, on each of the boards? I, 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 I didn't get that. You know, no, no, that's not what it's about. That's the power that releases the real energy of creation. Again, in, in time, in space, and in action. And I think people around the world are coming to a to realization that that law and lim- and, and and limits structure 
structure actually creates freedom. Okay, and let's keep going with that same Midrash, which says, Mikan amru, Moshe tiken laim l'Israel shiyu dorshim b'inyano shel yom. Hilchot Pesach b'Pesach, Hilchot Atzeret b'Atzeret, Hilchot Achag b'Chag. Amar Moshe l'Israel, im atem osim k'seder hazeh, k'dosh b'ruchu ma'aleh alechem, k'ilu m'lachtem oti b'olami. So, so it says that, it says that, uh, we learn from here that you're supposed to learn about the holidays and the issues of the time in its time. Learn Passover, prepare for Passover in the time of Passover, prepare for Shavuot in the time of Shavuot, prepare for Sukkot in the time of Sukkot. And God says, if you learn these things in the right time, it's like you proclaim me king. It's like you crown me king in my world. Yeah, I mean, there's a rhythm that we're, we're being exposed to, and it's one we're meant to embody. Right. What makes God king in the world? God could be king without us. I mean, God could, I mean, it was doing that. Though. The splitting of the Red Sea would be a pretty dramatic example. But that's not how God wants to be crowned. Right? God's chosen an existence of Ein Melech Beloam. Right? There's no king without a people. Right? And, and God's kingship is proclaimed when you walk into a neighborhood on a Saturday morning and it ceases to be Saturday and becomes Shabbos. Right. And when you see people are dressed differently, they're speaking differently. You smell different things. You see different things, right? That 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 is how we proclaim God King, right? And th- it's it's the difference between the theoretical and practical. It's like it's like it's happening now. Here it is. This is now. It's Passover. Now it's now it's this holiday. It's not always Passover when you feel like talking about the Passover. Passover isn't just an idea, right? It's not an idea, uh, and and th- that's. Um, you know, I see that a lot of times when it comes also to the land of Israel. For example, when, when, when Jacob is talking to Joseph at the end of his life, he says to him, God showed himself to me at Luz. And I'm always like, why did he say Luz and not Betel, which is the, the previous name for Betel was Luz. And my answer is, is that he meant to say the word Betel, Bethel, is the most, well, I think, I never, I don't know scientifically, but it, it seems to me the most popular name for churches and towns. And, a lot of them out there. There's a lot of Bethels. Why? Because everybody yeah. wants to be the house of God. So he sure. says, so he could have said, God showed himself to me in the house of God, which is in my heart, which is in my soul. So so Jacob did nice. not want that. So he says to him, Hashem Nirale Beluz. You know where it is? It's grid, it's grid yeah. A7 there, on, on this know, map. You know what I mean? Just north of this and right. you know, east for, of that. Right, and, and it's like it's you know that's where it happened. Happened to be that I call the place Beitel, but it's a place, it's a place on the map. Okay, let's go on. Um, the next one is very famous because Rashi quotes this midrash, and basically it says that uh, Rabbi Shmuel, son of Nachmani, said uh, 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 Rabbi Yonatan said in the name of Rabbi Shmuel, son of Nachmani, he said um, Betzalel was called Betzalel al Shem Chochmatonikra. Betzalel was called because of his wisdom. When, when God said to Moses, God said to Moses, make, a, make the tabernacle and then make the vestments and its tools afterwards. And, but Moses said it to Bezalel the opposite way. He said to make the, the, the holy vessels first, then make the outside walls and all that. Said to him, Bezalel said back to him, First, you got to build the house, then you put in the couches and all the other things. And you're telling me to do it backwards. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then Moshe Rabbeinu agreed, and he said, um, Were you in the shadow of God that you were there and you knew? Like you really understood what God wanted, and in fact, Betzalel understood how to. 
make all the vessels and vestments the way God really wanted them, without even being shown. He understood it intuitively uh, on some artistic artisan level. But the point is, is that is that there was a there was a a machloket, an argument between Moses and Betzalel. What goes first? Is it the the is it the menorah and 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 the altar, or is it uh or is it the walls, which are maybe more mundane? And so Betzalel says, of course, it's the mundane things that need first. First, you need a state of Israel, and then you need the spirit of Israel. First, you need a baby, even though it's not spiritual, and then you grow him and you fill him or her with spirituality. First, you need the physical outside plant, the, the, the borders, then, then put in spirituality, not the opposite way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, a, a well-known sort of uh, argument between, you could say, between form and function, you know, uh, a... I think what it always brings up for me every time I read that midrash is I once had a um, an argument with a good friend and uh, co-author and chavruta and, and mentor Dave Mason, who I know you also uh, love and respect, um, about whether if I make good content but I fail in marketing and no one listens to it, whether that's actually good content. That's right. right? And, and his answer was, "It's not." Right. And his answer was, "It's not." And and, and on some level, that's what was Batala was saying to Moshe. Moshe was a content guy. Moshe, Moshe was so intimate with God that he wasn't so worried about the structure that was going to get it out there to the people. The ark, the ark, that's, that's what right. matters. Saul says, yeah, but if you want people to actually see it, it, it needs to be a Mishkan, right? And, and so I think that's a, it's a very important tension. Well, it's like, there's a it's partnership like, there. It's like Rabbeinu Steve Jobs said, right? Uh, real artists ship. Ship. That's right, real mm, artists ship. That is the watchword for me every week that I get my podcast out the door and I'm that's torturing myself over how I didn't do that and then this could have been better. And so, no, real artist ship. That's right, real artist ship. That's exactly right. Um, uh, and that, that's, of course, from the, the Heilige, the Heilige Godel, Rabbeinu, Steve Jobs. Anyway, um, let's go on now. Oh, one more interesting one. Uh, just, just, just let's do it for a second. I'm a Rav Yehuda, I'm a Rav. Cryptic statement. Rabbi Huda says in the name of Rav, Betzalel knew, the, the biblical Betzalel knew to combine. Create, combine letters through which were created heavens and earth. He knew how to do, he knew how to combine letters through which yeah. heaven and earth were created. What do you think I of mean, that? I mean, let's remember that, that, um, that in the, Story of Genesis: The world is created through speech, right? Right, and and we know, flowing from there down through the generations to our very day, that the power of language is is bound up with creation. So here, Betzalel, who has been graced with this Ruach Elohim, this divine spirit, and Choch of Bina and Dat, you know, the wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge, but his, but but the the key is he's able to think thoughts in silver and gold. It's a beautiful phrase. We think thoughts in silver. What does that mean? He's able to take go from conception to completion. Mm-hmm. That his his ability was to be able to take the letters, which on their own are abstract, but give them a form of a language which is graspable. And in that, he's the archetype of of the divine artist. And that's that's how I understand this. Is that is that that, that emotion? At the end of the day, maybe he saw images from God. Maybe he didn't. You know, there's that one story about the God had to show him the menorah, etc. But mostly, what he had was words, and so he had to explain to Batala what needed to be done. Batala was the one who was able to actually take that language and and make it a lived reality. Very good, and and I and I read also in the Noam Eli Melech, who I think your side was was last week, that uh, a tzaddik, a righteous, a real righteous person, um, he cannot change God's decrees. 
but he can change the, the the decrees come down in letters. They come down. This such and such person is going to get wealthy, and this one's going to get poor, etc. But he can cha- recombinate the letters. Mm. He can recombinate the letters, and so for example, if somebody has to have nega, which means uh, which means a um, plague or a, uh, some sort of blow, right? Instead, that can be changed into oneg, which is joy. Okay, and so things like that can just be recombinated, and and that's the power of the righteous person that he sees God's will, but he can take those same letters, which with which with God's will is formed in this earth and re- recombine them. Okay, <laughs> now let's go on to the portion of Pekude. Pekude. Uh, an accounting is made of the gold, silver, and copper donated by the people for making the Mishkan. So, so this is the this is the great Torah portion of uh, account, accountants. Okay, actuaries, accountants, uh, actuaries. That's right. So God bless you guys, and and uh, you know, and somebody's we need you in this it. world. Yeah, yeah. somebody's got to do it, and I always knew it was not going to be me. Me uh, too. Uh, and and um, but I have good friends who are accountants. Not really. Some of my, no. <laughs> some of my best friends are accountants. <laughs> <laughs> no, accountants are great, great people, and and they really make the world go round. And we'll get to in a second in the midrashim why there well, needs to be an accountant. They just grease the wheels. That's right. Well, they they make sure that that it's not the leaking. Yeah, they're making the. That's right. Betzalel uh, Aholiav and their assistants make the eight priestly garments, which is the apron, the breastplate, the cloak. The crown. Ooh, the cloak. Crown, they, they, they mean, that, would they mean the crown? Do they mean... Uh, seats. seats. The seats. Or, okay, or they mean the mitzvah. No, the because the next one is hat. Hat is the next one. Oh, so the I think that's the mitzvah. Yeah. yeah, that's the seats. We'll talk about that in a second. The sash. A tiara, and, but that's awkward, right? That's right. Don't want to say that. Sash and the breeches. Breeches? Breeches, i.e. <laughs> underpants. Yeah. Okay, yeah. breeches. That's britches. That's right. Britches, not breeches. You do not want breeches in your britches. Okay, let's stop there. Yeah, yeah. Stop. According to the specifications communicated to Moses in the Parsha of Tetzaveh, the Mishkan is completed and all its components are brought to Moses, who erects it and anoints it with holy anointing oil and initiates Aaron and his four sons into the priesthood. A cloud appears over the Mishkan, signifying the divine presence that has come to dwell within it. Okay, so that's really the, the, the real end of the, of this Torah portion and really the book of Exodus is the dwelling of God in the in the tabernacle. But and that's kind of what I was driving at with that sense of ark, right? I mean, because then the vessel actually is in in service. And now the the purpose of redemption is to create a space for God to live on Earth. The key is to create it. God can live on Earth without us, but God wants us to create it. So we're going to get to the Midrashim in a second, but before we do, I just want to stop for a second and uh, say hi to a few people. First thing, Jay White says, Shalom Aleichem, gentlemen, good to join you both again. My mother is back home now, still recovering from COVID. Thank you for your prayers that she is alive, Baruch Hashem, Yvette Bat Irene, God bless you, Yvette, and so good to have you back home. Rifuash Lema. Simone says, I agree with what you're saying about being back inside the synagogue, but there's definitely... There's a, there's definitely a different essence to being outside, able to look up and around at Hashem's creations around us while praying. That's for sure. And Erica says, Yom Tov, Chavarim. Just looking in for a second, I see your discussion about coffee or tea. I'm a big fan of elite coffee from Eretz Israel. All right? So that's good. And Anne says, Shalom from the UK. Hope to catch you with, catch up with the start later. And... We also have Allison. Good morning from Manchester, UK. Uh, I don't know if it's because of the time, but we seem to have a lot of folks from 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 the UK, 
And uh, I mean, the UK has well, been in the- I'm coming to us from America right now. It's pretty yeah. darn early in the yeah. morning. <laughs> there's been a lot of there's been a lot of talk about the UK uh, recently because of the um, uh, because of the, the Oprah Winfrey. Co- oh right, yeah, because the royal family thing. The royal family thing. <laughs> I have to admit that my sort of empathy for the British royal family is kind of low. <laughs> I don't really, as a Jew, historically speaking, as a Zionist, like just just not overwhelmingly filled with empathy for the British. Speaking royal. of Beitel, speaking of Beitel, they have, uh, I think the the stone of the stone of scone or something like that. Scone, of, I don't remember, but like the uh, one of the stones that they have there underneath the 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 chair that the. Uh, that they that they anoint their monarchs uh, is they claim it's from Beitel because that's where they um, uh, claim. Oh, uh, we'll take that back. Thank you. Uh, yeah, there's other things in the museum as well, but whatever. At the same time, I actually feel bad for the royal family in this sense. I just I just think to myself. First thing, I just I just, just want to say to the world, come on, come on, guys. There's just there's people starving in Africa. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Like like come on, there are more important things. There are people dying from uh, yeah. from COVID I mean, in hospitals. Listen, the, the- the sort of uh, the, the the wedding of uh, of royalty and celebrity is just it's just a little bit icky in general. It's like, folks, you're wealthy, you're powerful, you'll always have what you need. Can we not angst over it? On yeah, every, television? yeah, right. Everything's okay. Like, let's let's go on and talk about you know, let's talk about how we can really help like real people help the world. Yeah, right. Let's yeah. just uh-huh. come on. There's just other issues. There's just other issues, and I just I mean, it's almost like it's almost like. People magazine like paid for this whole thing. It's just like all it is. It's just <laughs> that useless. side of our society is not the happy side, right? It's but it's just it's just it's just it's just useless stuff. It really like, it has no purpose in this world. It has no purpose in this world. At the, at the same time, I really don't really love you know the 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 destruction of all that's good and holy in this world. You know, I don't I don't like the you know the bringing down of all the you know it's like it's like and yeah. anything anything yeah yeah. There's no there's certainly nothing sacred anymore. You know, right. in the eyes of the media, no, for sure not. Okay, so now back to our Torah portion. Why was That's there an accounting? You're right. Why? Why was there an accounting? Well, check check out this. We also got our our share of People Magazine in the Torah. Says the midrash like this. Um, it says, um, "Let's let's make an accounting." Says Moses and the people. Why? Um. Um. Why does Moses need to make an accounting? It says about Moses, there's nobody as trustworthy in God's house as, as Moses. They used to talk about him behind his back. All the time. Uh, so, so Rabbi Yitzchak says, what, what do they say? They used to praise him. Blessed be the woman that gave birth to this man. Every day God speaks with him. His whole days, he's whole to all his days. He is whole to God. Rabbi Chama, but actually, Rabbi Chama said, and Chama also maybe is a uh, is a ode to the word anger, like Chema, like anger. Rabbi Chama, they used to talk about him negatively. Ayomrim, look at his look at his neck, his look at his look at his, look at his, look at his thighs, his yeah, shins, thighs, yeah. like. Ochel Michel Yudim, he eats from our from our money. Veshotem Michel Yudim, he 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 drinks from our wealth. Kol Mashi Yeshlo Mina Yudim, everything that he has is from the Jews. He collects taxes and he eats off that. Vechaverom Mashivo, Adam Sheshalat al Malechta Mishkan, Enatam Vakeshi Yashir. So his friend says back to him, Well, what do you think if somebody's in charge of all the the donations that came to the Mishkan? Won't he be rich? Kevanche 
Shama Moshe Kach, because Moses heard such, Amar Lahen Chayechem. He says, let, Let's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shamishkan Nigmar, Aniyosei Machem Cheshbon. When the building of the tabernacle is over, you and I are going to make an accounting. Right? So this and is a great picture. You will find situation. no villas in Switzerland. Right. You, you know what I like about this, actually? It actually does come back. What I asked you, the first question that I asked you today, which is how does this come back to uh, the beginnings of Moses' life? Well, we remember right. Moses' life is like the first thing they say to them. Who, who are you to tell us what's good and bad in this world? His first right. meeting with Samcha. the Jewish people. Right, Misamcha. Right, so you, you, you are, you're going to get challenged. And so Moses, at the end of the book of Exodus... The end of the great book of, 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 of liberation and revelation says, okay, let's make an accounting. Let's make sure that the money, the money is that I haven't stolen anything from you. And I think, I think that's, on the one hand, it's kind of sad, kind of cynical. On the other hand, very, very Jewish. Like there's something about this was just like, okay, you know, now that we've built God's house, let's make sure that nobody's stolen from one another here. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and this desire that, that Moshe has that um, he, he be seen not just as honest, but as having truly been only in the service of God, um, expressed itself I- in the story of Korach as well. Right? When, 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 he, when he says, like, I haven't taken like, even the donkey that I, that I rode down to Egypt to redeem them on was my own. Right? And, and, and you see that um, Moshe is deeply aware of the problematic relationship between power, wealth, and leadership. You know? and, and it may seem like a side point or like a strange midrashic sort of like riff but um, but the reality is, it stands as a warning to us all that that one of the things which made Moshe accept, exceptional as a leader is he was truly a mesharet. He was truly a public servant, and, and was in no way serving himself. And unfortunately, it's a rare leadership model. We should really uh, merit to see it more in our day. Yafet. So we saw a little bit of cynicism about that and about the challenges to his 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 leadership. And there's measures there. Then. There's an answer to that. And, and the Midrash here is very, very long, surprisingly long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But the Midrash basically says that everybody else tried, after they finished building the tabernacle, to put it up. And nobody could do it. Not right. Betzalel and not Aaron. Nobody could actually do it. The people couldn't do it. And It's like one of those complicated Lego sets that only your six-year-old can actually do. That's build. right. That's right. Or how to get the printer to work, that kind of thing. Ooh. Um, so, so it's not standing, and it, and it's just not working. The Mishkan <laughs> says the Midrash, um, and and at the end of this Midrash, it goes like this: Amar Akadosh Baruch Hu LeMoshe, God said to Moses, "Lefisha ita meitzer shelo ayel chasiyah velo cherek v'malachet haMishkan," because you were sad that you were unable to take part in the building of of the tabernacle. Lefichach. Therefore, the other people, I didn't give them the permission to raise it up itself. It's for you. They'll learn, and this is a backwards way, that if you can't raise it up, it'll never be raised up. But indeed, you will be able to raise it up. He said, God, God says, Moses says to God, but I don't know how to put it up. You just make yeah. motions with your hands and it's going to get up by itself. <laughs> and I'll work it out. It will stand up by itself. I will write about you that you put it up. The bottom line is this very long measure says, like everybody tried, nobody could do it at the end. Moses 
he was able to to put up the 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 tabernacle but it's because that he he was so sad that he didn't have any any hand in actually creating it and god says you're gonna you're gonna put it up uh, you know other people are gonna create it but you're gonna make it happen in the end what do you think about that rev mike four i mean you know moshe in many places in the midrash has um this sort of cloudy aspect this sort of all-embracing aspect that that moshe doesn't doesn't deal in the pieces he has the vision of the whole right which is why even though of course the torah is filled with 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 details but one of the, the midrash goes out of his way to speak about how moshe re- received the whole torah sign the whole torah sign all maybe you know, all in one word or all in the ten commandments moshe had this capacity and later, the sages will say that even the sort of an innovative thought of a, of a student in the Beit Midrash, Moshe heard it at Sinai. So what does that mean? Because Moshe's capacity was to receive the whole. And then Am Yisrael is going to sort of articulate its parts down through time. In the same way, right? We're going to do the sort we'll, we'll of, we'll build all the pieces. And once the Mishkan's up, we're going to do the Avoda. We'll do the service that happens inside. But it takes Moshe to actually put the pieces together in something which is truly a vessel. Mm-hmm. So he, he puts it together, and uh, uh, am I right that he put it together for seven days straight? Well, it was, the, yeah, it's Hanukkah. They was put it up and took it down. Put right, it put, it, put it, down. it on, took it down. But in the end, the Torah portion says the following. It says, this is the last verses, and we're going to read it together, the last verses uh, of the book of Exodus. And you better enjoy it, because we're going to Leviticus, and it's going to be it's going to be a lot of legal nitty-gritty. Um, so Maybe enjoy the guts of the matter. The guts of the matter, that's right. But uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for the next book. But let's get to verse... I don't know, what chapter are we in here? Because I'm looking at it on the phone. Chapter 40. Chapter 40, is that right? Chapter 40. That's the last, that's the last chapter of Exodus. Right, that's and the therefore it's verse 34. Lama Dalad. Vayichas Anan, Vayichas Anan et Ohel Moed, Vekvod Hashem Malet HaMishkan. A cloud covered the tent of meeting. Because the, um, uh, one second, hold on. And, and, the, and the glory and the, of God. And oh. the glory of God, filled the tabernacle. And Moses couldn't even come in into the tent of meeting. Because the, the, the cloud was like on it thickly. And again, the, the glory of God filled the tabernacle. When this when this cloud lifted over the Mishkan, Bnei Israel would go on their journeys. However, if it did not lift, they did not leave. They did not start their their, their journeys until the cloud left. That was their sign. Because the the cloud of Hashem is on the tabernacle in the day, and it had fire at night. To the eyes of all the house of Israel, for all their journeys, and that's how that's how the book ends. The book ends the journeys, and I think that really connects back to how I asked you the question originally, which is how does this how does this end really fit with the beginning? The end really is the the real last word is their journeys. Yeah, it's not like it's not like okay everything's stable and now we have a religion and all that. No, there's there's a journey throughout history. God's presence in the, is in this world, in the tabernacle. There's cloud by day, there's fire by night. It's like a yin-yang thing a little bit, you know, right? It's like a little bit of, you know, a darkness during the day, a light during the night. It's a bit of a yin-yang. Uh, is that okay? 
Uh, and uh, you know, I'm not fond of uh, yeah. re- reaching outside of our realm for the references. You poke in front of me. No, no, it's just I, I, it's, 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 it's all cool. good. I, I always, I always like that little dot in the yin yang, the the opposite dot. I always thought that that was a cool thing. Um, there's like the. The, you know the the other side, so I, I I see the the relationship here. But okay, in any case, uh, the Jewish people are journeying. That's 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 the magic word here. You started with a journey. It's the Exodus is a journey. You're going to continue on your journey. That's that's your lot to be. On the one hand, there's a homeland, there's a temple, there's all that. But the, but the story, the history, is a journey. Yeah, it's and it's a story that doesn't end. I mean, this to me is deeply reminiscent, although it's probably in reverse, of the last word of the Tanakh, which is Vayal. Right? Anyone who's, you know, who's inspired by God, go up. It's like, wait, that's, that's right. how you end a story? No, that's how you begin a story. And Ezra, who, of course, was the scribe that put together Debra Yamim, was trying to put an orderly narrative to the past in order that we'd be empowered in the present to move forward. It's the same way. The book of Exodus ends here, so to speak, as a, as a book, but the story of redemption actually takes off from here. Right, and that's why the Mishkan is not yet, I mean, not yet uh, in its place. And even once it reaches Yerushalayim, you know, we know that the story is not over. Hey, man, the story is definitely not over. And, and it's really re-beginning in our time right now. It's a very exciting time. Cynicism is the enemy. Excitement is the tool of bringing this time to its greatest fruition. Rav Mike Four, I want to thank you very much. I just want to say that Lou Weiss who co-produces the show, says, I agree. He says, Moshe was a leader who looked and taught the big picture and didn't necessarily involve himself in the nitty-gritty. Good stuff. For, and remember, his father-in-law told him, you're being too nitty-gritty. you yep. got to let other people deal with the nitty-gritty. Micromanaging. That's right. And also, Michelle says, good morning, watching from Pennsylvania, Ooh. USA, where there's a good, Bethel, Pennsylvania. Good, right? Good morning, no, Michelle. No. Is there, there's a Bethel, Pennsylvania, I'm right? sure there's a Bethel. Pennsylvania. Right. Or is it, but does, is there good a Bethel? money on it. Right. Thank you for sharing these insightful scholarly discussions. God bless you, Michelle. God bless you uh, wherever you are. Uh, All the friends, you're in Pennsylvania, all of our friends out there around the world. I want to thank you so much. I uh, uh, want to adjure, is that the word? Adjure everybody to uh, check out Rav Mike's... Encourage. uh, What is that? Just encourage them. That's right. Encourage. I want to encourage. I just wanted to use a fancy word. I wanted to. Uh, enc- I wanted to encourage everybody to check out Rav Mike's other website, which is websites, which is ravmike.com and jewishstory.co for both uh, his spiritual guidance and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. So, what's the word I'm looking for? Help me out here. Depends Help. on what you want to say. <laughs> your 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 um your Spiritual work counseling your, and counseling. My, my counseling. That's what I probably need that more than anything. So I keep on forgetting that word. So spiritual counseling uh, and you also really need the, good back in the back of your head. I'll that's right. That's 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 what you need. Most of the time, you need a massage. Basically, that's what I recommend first before you go to the therapist. Get a massage, but uh, but and and go for a jog and breathe some deep fresh air. But uh, uh, also some spiritual counseling with, from Rev. Mike Foyer will help you out a lot in life. So God bless you, Rev. Mike. And check out also uh, your other podcast, which is Jewish Story, dealing now with the Yom Kippur War, which I'm very excited yeah, to listen to. We're in the lead-up. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I've been reading a lot about that right now, so I'm excited for, for your take. Uh, and I want to thank you so much and wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. It's wonderful to see you as always. May, may all of our houses have the sense that the cloud of glory is in our house in our heart, in our synagogue, in the airplane that takes us to the land of Israel. Uh, and may, we, may every cloud that we see remind us uh, of the God above. 
that, that is there peering through the lattice work uh, and really getting us through our day and giving us a lot of strength. And we want to wish you um, uh, a lot of blessings here from the land of Israel, from the land of blessings, to be connected to good things and good energy. And may God not only fill your life, but fill your life in joy. Amen. There you go. Okay, Shabbat Shalom, Rav Mike Foyer. Thanks so much for being with me. Shabbat Shalom. And thank you, folks, wherever you are, uh, whenever you are, whenever you're listening, for being with me uh, and with us here on the Yishai Fleischer Show. Check out my website, yishaifleischer.com. Uh, we've made uh, some changes there. You can check out podcasts. You can check out articles. You can check out videos. You can check out reviews, all kinds of stuff, of course. Uh, maybe it's time for, for me to visit your community uh, and, and your, uh, your congregation or gathering, whatever you guys have. That's possible as well. It's opening up either through Zoom or soon, hopefully being uh, with you face-to-face, and hopefully that you will come to yourself to the land of Israel. We can't wait to show you the good land. And write me an email, yishaiyishaifleischer.com. Love to hear from you. Any thoughts, any feelings, hashtag the joy of God in your life. God bless you folks, and shalom. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed Rev Mike Foyer. So awesome to have him on the show. So awesome to have you with us with energy from the land of Israel. There's nothing better. There's nothing more powerful. You guys are part of it wherever you are. Write me an email, yishaiyishaifleischer.com. Throw, throw, throw down a little bit of donation to make this show widely available and, and free and awesome for everybody. Uh, your, your emails make a difference to me, yishaiyishaifleischer.com. Your donations make a difference to me. Uh, and more than anything, share with me your life. Show me how you're, uh, you know, send me an email with a picture about how you, your dog, your kids, your, your flag, your car are walking in the ways of Hashem, walking in the ways of, of the land of Israel, uh, towards the land of Israel always. Share with me your, your, your heart as I share with you mine. Lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. Stay tuned, stay strong, stay connected, and shalom. With global instability on the rise, more and more people are turning to God, realizing now they don't exactly know where to look for guidance. The Bible says the guidance will come from the land of Israel. My name is Jeremy Gimpel. A few months ago, we started an online seminar teaching life-changing biblical wisdom revealed from the original Hebrew and straight from the mountains of Judea. What you will discover is that the wisdom transmitted thousands of years ago is speaking directly to us in our time right now. Join now and get an audio series on the prophecy encoded in the book of Joshua absolutely for free. Just click on the link below or email fellowship at thelandofisrael.com. I don't know how you found this video or what compelled you to click on that link, but I don't believe in coincidence. And I would encourage you to take the next step on your journey toward the land of Israel. I hope to see you at the Land of Israel Fellowship. Shalom. Shalom.